though, that he his singing voice was dubbed by Leonardo. <laughs> yeah. In the in the sequels, not the, the sequel, yeah. movie, not the original movie. Okay. Right. Are you guys ready to start? <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Honestly, yeah, I'm good. I think this will be a good change of pace. That way, we can just uh, be a bit more freeform than before. Right. Yeah. Um, I'll try to keep things uh, in some kind of order, but. Uh, few non sequiturs won't hurt. Right. All right, gotcha. let's get started. <laughs> Woohoo! Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Mouse Madness. If you don't know who I am by now, then you haven't been watching the videos. And if you have, for those who need a reminder, I'm Nicholas Heaney, a.k.a. Irish Husky. I started Mouse Madness because the actual March Madness got canceled, and I was bored one day, so now this is a thing. Yeah. All right, uh, we've got some familiar voices here. Uh, please introduce yourself, starting from uh, the top of the chat list. Hello, my name is Karak and Nabnet, also known as Raccoon Bro, and I'm here once again to talk about Disney movies. Hello, I'm the Nostalgia Critic. I remember it so you don't have to. Just kidding, it's Ouija Prower. <laughs> Could you imagine? <laughs> Hello, I am once again Wesley. I am the resident Disney geek. And I am here to also to discuss these movies with everyone. Hello, everyone. I'm Yoda Jats 10, Jats and Lennox, and I'm also a huge Disney animation movie fan, and I'm happy to join the discussion, too. And we're happy Glad to have you. If we weren't Disney fans, would we really be here? Probably not. <laughs> right. maybe, yeah. maybe we could get somebody in as, like, a passive voice. Like kind of like how talk shows try to get in, like the the token Democrat or token Republican, <laughs> right? Yeah. The token Warner Brothers fan, <laughs> uh, token DreamWorks fan. Right. Aw, Dream. Hey, man. <laughs> All right. Why not the token Illumination fan? Yeah. <laughs> or the token Blue Skies fan. Uh, Blue Sky is technically Disney now, so yeah. Really? Yeah. Man, I got tight. I gotta tell you, seeing Charlie Brown on Disney Plus is so freaking surreal. I agree. Oh, it's there like now? Like, I saw yeah, I yeah. on there one day, and that was, like... Almost as surreal as seeing Collision Course on there, and not any of the other Ice Age movies. Oh, no. I, the first one is on there, but Collision Course, no. Why did that have to get on first? No. At least the original trilogy. Keep it at that. Yeah. Right. Oh, well. So, uh, anyway, uh, before we get into this week's films, let's go over the numbers from last week. Uh, voter turnout wasn't quite as large as it was uh, in the first week of round two. I kind of expected that because there weren't as many universally known films as there were uh, last time. Still, though, we got a fairly decent showing, uh, bigger than anything we got in round one. So, uh... With that being said, let's get to it. Uh, the first matchup was Fantasia versus Princess and the Frog. And the results are Fantasia 10, Princess and the Frog 8. Oh, yes! But again, a one seed. Kind of interesting because both bye weeks lost last time. I know. But now we have a win. Yeah. That's a heartbreaker yeah. for 
Yeah, I'm I'm glad this one won because I have this one making it all the way to the finals. You know what? I I think now that Fantasia's moving on, I should probably give it another chance. Yeah. Yeah. Again, you can watch it as segments, yes. compartmentalized yeah, if you can. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do that instead of trying to watch it all the way through because that wasn't a good idea. Right. Yeah. Hashtag and uh, speaking of the finals, uh, to anyone who's listening to this, uh. I'll put instructions in the description on how you can uh, leave Final Four predictions. I'd really like to get those sooner than later because it's no fun to have these predictions if most of the movies are already eliminated. My bracket's already busted. Yeah. That was mine. <laughs> yeah, well. I, mine's not yet. Yeah, well, I'm doing kind of doing it on a point system based on when your predicted movie gets eliminated. So, uh, okay. it's not oh, completely <laughs> Well, we'll see what happens. All right. Uh, so the next matchup was uh, Treasure Planet versus 101 Dalmatians. Treasure mm-hmm. Planet 6, 101 Dalmatians 9. If she doesn't scare you, no evil thing will. To see her is to take a sudden chill. Cruella, Cruella, she's like a spider waiting for... I am so torn on how I should feel about that. On the one hand, I voted for Treasure Planet, but on the other hand, I really, really love 100 Months Dalmatian. I wanted Treasure Planet to hold the title of being the lowest seed in the Sweet 16. That would have been cool. Just to say it. That would have been... That would have been amazing. I actually had this one uh, beating out 101 Dalmatians, so this is a prediction that I got wrong. Yeah, Still, every every year in March Madness, there's like one 12 seed that makes it this far. I know. I mean, just a few years ago, an 11 seed made it to the final four. Loyola. Heck, my alma mater did that as an 11 seed. That's crazy. Oh, God. Is, is Emperor's New Groove going to destroy everyone's bracket? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. God, what if Emperor's New Groove wins the whole thing? Oh, yeah. That'd all be... coming together. Oh, yeah. It's all coming together. <laughs> right. What are the odds? A trapdoor would leave me out of here. <laughs> uh, all right. Oh. All right. Moving on. Frozen versus Cinderella. We spent like 45 minutes talking about that matchup last week. Uh, about that? 70% of that time. In, in podcast history. Yeah. I had a character arc. Yes. Yeah. Uh, okay. Frozen. Five, Cinderella, ten. Oh, yes! thank goodness. Thank goodness. Salagadoola, Mitchigaboola, Bibbidi Bobbidi Boo. Put them together, and what have you got? Bibbidi Bobbidi Boo. Salagadoola, Mitchigaboola, Bibbidi Bobbidi Boo. It'll do magic, believe it or not. Bibbidi Bobbidi Boo. Now, Salagadoola, me. I don't want to. I don't want to go through another character arc again. <laughs> Wait, what was yeah, your well, character arc again? Yeah, I'm glad Cinderella won. It's like Basically. the It's something we could count on. And every March Madness needs a Cinderella, like I'm saying. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Basically, Ouija, what happened was, when I was talking about it, I originally voted for Frozen. But then as more people started discussing why Cinderella is so great, I changed my mind. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was that was a Perfect beautiful moment. Perfect redemption arc. <laughs> All right, and uh, finally, Fox and the Hound versus Dumbo. Uh, Fox and the Hound got seven. Dumbo got eight. Whoa. Look out for Mr. Stark, that persevering chap. 
to come along and drop a bundle in your lap. You may be poor or rich, it doesn't matter which. Millionaires, they get theirs, like the butcher and the baker, so look out for Mr. Stark. That was really, now that's the closest one. By far, margin of one vote. That was, I'm kind of a a little disappointed because I also had Fox and the Hound uh, winning that in my overall predictions. But I think I, I think I actually ended up changing my mind. I think I'd originally voted for Fox and the Hound, but then switched over to Dumbo. Yeah. If I hadn't done then, that, it would have been reversed. I think Dumbo's just popular enough to get a little back. Yeah, I mean, it's in the National Film Registry. It seems to have a following. So Fox right. and the Hound doesn't have a live-action remake. That's, That's the problem. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, you want terrible pe- live action remake. I mean, you want people Don't to want people to start praising an animated Disney movie, just make a live action film and just let yeah. nature do the rest. Now, see, here's the thing. I kind of want to jinx it because Fox and the Hound I feel is in the same boat as Jungle Book where a, a live action remake would be somewhat warranted. Actually, yeah, also the remakes have kind of given popularity boosts to the older ones. True. I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm be honest. I actually really did not like the remake of the Jungle Book. And that's fair. Yeah. As long as your take isn't stuff. as. Oh, wait, what? I kind of want to see a live action remake of The Sword into Stone. <laughs> yeah, that would work. Yeah, that would work. Yeah. What, what were you saying, well, Carrick? Um, well, they already did a live action remake of Sword into Stone. It was a kid in King Arthur's court. Tell <laughs> me about what I said about um, the Jungle Book. Oh, well, I was just saying that's. That's cool as long as your take isn't as bad as Nostalgia Critics. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think he's kind of had a change of heart. He his most recent Disney Sember was kind of like a reevaluation. Yeah, I, I, hmm. I still watch Disney Sember just to kind of get another take on these movies. Yeah, yeah. like That's what only problem is the Jungle Book is that like um the original Jungle Book by Reed Arcanley and the Disney classic are two very different films. I don't know, the fact that you try to combine the two for the 2016 just kind of feels off to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I guess the way I see it is that I appreciate that they're not trying to tell the exact same story as all these other live-action remakes. That's, I guess. That's yeah, somehow mm-hmm. it's long, the movies are longer, but they have less substance. Although one of the films we'll be discussing today is getting another live-action version not by Disney. Huh? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Toro's yeah. Pinocchio. Oh, uh-huh. that one. That's going <laughs> to be a stop-motion movie, actually. Oh, really? Oh, oh better. And I am super excited for it because it has like some of my favorite actors in it, like Ewan McGregor, Christoph Waltz, uh, Tilda Swinton. Like, oh, my I'm, goodness, an all-star ooh, cast. Ooh, I'm it's really so looking forward to that movie. Like a, like an Academy Award based Coen Brothers cast. <laughs> exactly. Like if you're gonna get celebrities, at least get people who are really really good at acting. It, that's how I see it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, so these the winners for uh, round two in Class B are all. In the top four seeds, we have the one seed Fantasia, two seed Dumbo, three seed Cinderella, and four seed 101 Dalmatians. And that was absolutely oh. not the case with Class A, where the one and two seeds got decimated. <laughs> so, yeah. this is so surreal. <laughs> well, yes. Yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens uh, with the Class C films, which, hey, let's get into that. 
All right. Yeah, All right. let's do it. So uh, once again, I'm going to be talking about, I'm going to be, do a brief introduction for all these movies and the journey they took to get to round two. So first we've got the one seed Pinocchio. As a one seed, it got an automatic buy. Not the most interesting story. <laughs> all right. Uh, then we've got the eight seed The Rescuers, which I actually thought was going to get knocked out in round one. Uh its first matchup was against uh, the nine seed Ralph Breaks the Internet. And uh, surprisingly, this one actually beat it out uh, seven to four. Now, I've made my stance clear on this movie that I don't like it, but I, I do know that there are a lot of people who do. And I know The Rescuers isn't exactly the most fondly remembered Disney film, so I was actually kind of surprised by that outcome. Yeah. Yeah, Yoda Jackson. Yeah. You said that you like Ralph Breaks the Internet uh, since oh, you weren't oh. here. Hmm? Oh, I love it. Yeah, love since it. you weren't here for that call, do you want to take a moment to like briefly say your opinion on that movie? By all means, have the floor. Oh, I, I don't think that movie's as bad as people say it is. I of like the Disney movies, like um, not Tiny Pixar. I think it's the best sequel. Like, I really like how like it develops the world. Like in Red and Ralph one, they're mostly just. They mostly just in Sugar Rush, but in Ralph Breaks the Internet, they go all over the internet, which I always found, like, they always go to, like, a different place. They never go in one place for too long or too short. It has, like, a great equal balance, and I kind of like Ralph and Vanellope's relationship here better than the first one, because when Ralph ruins Vanellope's game, he tells her right away when he sees her so distraught and starts blaming herself, but his friendship with her is that important to her and important to him that he's on with her right away. Like I never saw one character as being too selfish than another. I always felt they integrated quite nicely. And I'm going to be honest, this film is funny. Like a lot of people say like the internet based jokes are just like are dated. I never thought that. I thought they were funny. Interesting thing. All the internet clips you see in there, all of them are animated. Every one of them was created for the movie. There's not a single one where like, oh, it's just a popular video. We're just going to put it here. No, every single one is animated. How insane is that? I really appreciate the effort they put in. Just have It would have been just so easy to just take a video on the internet and just put it this way. But no, they animated every single one of them. It blew my mind when I found out about that. And Disney Princess scene, what can I say? It was beautiful. It was just... It was beautiful. It was funny. It was just what I wanted to see if I ever saw these characters come together. It was kind of like the Pocket Princess comment series, which if you guys haven't seen, you should. It's, yeah, it's for those amazing. who said they were off-model, I feel like they were going more for the comic model. They were cheapified. Yeah. And um, so like, I even hear that like the directors are making a spin-off movie of it, and which if they are, I'm all for it. Like that I would, really want to see this happen. That I might be that too. Thing. Yeah, but um, I think the only official canon sequels, as in sequel sequels, are Rescuers Down Under, Fantasia 2000, Ralph 2, and Frozen 2, I think. Yeah, those are the only ones. Would you say the three Caballeros or Winnie the Pooh, like the second one would count or not? Winnie the Pooh 2011, I'd say, is more of a reboot yeah, than I, a sequel. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't consider that one a sequel, really. And uh, three Caballeros, maybe on a technicality. But, yeah, like, maybe. the wartime movies are just kind of their own thing. So it's like, why wouldn't you consider Melody Time or Make My Music sequels of each other? Yeah. 
But anyway, those are my thoughts on Rob Brady's internet. That's like, fair enough. And you yeah. know, I, I will say one joke that actually did stand out to me, like, like there's a scene where they're talking about what's currently trending, and it's like something about like bees. Like, don't oh yeah, bees. That oh god, bees. <laughs> my god. Yeah. And then uh, they reference the bee movie. And then like later, like later on when ralph is going viral like one of the examples they're showing is like one of those uh unpackaging videos and it's bees it's like that oprah winfrey opinion yoda jacks good on you yeah, yeah. <laughs> thanks I'm proud, yeah i'm proud of you for sticking by it yeah no yeah, problem now our viewers won't feel as alienated if they were on your side hooray thanks. All right, uh, so the next film is the five-seed Fantasia 2000. Yeah. And, uh, Think of the devil. And uh, this one got here by beating out the three Caballeros six to four. Um, Still one of the weirdest acid trip films I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, I can't believe I that. Like- I honestly can't believe that the voting was that close. I thought it would have been much more in favor for Fantasia 2000. Three Caballeros, I like to see this something like called I Can't Eat the Movie because it is a spectacle for the yeah. eyes. I always Caballeros' think... characters are kind of fun. I'm glad they got their own show. That's yeah. pretty I mean, nice. I always yeah. just, I always describe this movie as loud. <laughs> just loud. <laughs> yeah, I really I do really enjoy the like the theme song. Uh and also and also the, the final like ending sequence where with the, the mariachi bowl pinata it i really find that final part fantastic right glorious music and visuals all right so uh anyway uh the next film to make it to round two for class c is the four seed the many adventures of winnie the pooh Uh, (laughs) yeah uh oh this movie yeah Mm -hmm. Uh, i love winnie the pooh if ever right if ever I'm in a bad mood, I just uh, put on old Winnie the Pooh uh, shorts and movies. Right. Which, which which voice do you guys prefer? Do you prefer like um like the original by Sterling Holloway or the or like the current one by Jim Cummings? I honestly I like think I prefer the current one. It's really Cummings, but it's I, really hard. I I do enjoy uh, the voice of Sterling Holloway, and going through all these Disney movies, I have had no lack of exposure to his voice because he's in freaking really? everything. Sterling's just so warm and comforting, though I will say Jim Cummings' impression is almost spot on. Yeah. It's insane how much he captures it. Like, it isn't... He's that talented of a dude, especially when he took over uh, as Tigger. Here's yeah. the thing. Recently, I showed my mom the, the 2011 Winnie the Pooh movie. And, really? Yeah. And so I told her about the... After the film was over, I told her about, you know, how all the voice actors got replaced, and she was like, Are you sure? They all sounded exactly the same because we also watched Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh the night before. So, like, she watched them back to back, and to her, they sounded exactly the same, except for Kanga. She's she was like, Kanga sounds nothing like the original. Yeah. Like, did you hear like um Travis Oates' Piglet and especially Tom Kenny as Rabbit? They both sound brilliant. They almost sound yeah. When I started in the credits, I was like, wow, that was him. Yeah. Which makes me so angry that they're not in the live-action remake, but at least they got Jim, whatever. Yeah. yeah. You can't, I'm, I'm you can't do Winnie the Pooh without Jim Cummings these days. 
wasn't Tigger and the live action Christopher Robin originally played by a different actor, but then like audiences then like it, so they got Jim Cummings. To yes, record yeah, yeah. I think we went over that, but yeah, it tested so poorly. But I'm like, you had Jim Cummings as Pooh. He was in the studio. He probably already recorded those lines for the I mean, demo. But, I mean, just it's imagine exactly- being the guy who originally did the voice, and in the final product, they used. Yeah, the original guy was Chris O'Dowd. You may know him from Bridesmaids as uh, the uh, Irish cop. Uh, I've I've actually uh, seen yeah. Bridesmaids, but uh, it's it's been a while. I I don't exactly don't remember what part that was. Uh, all I remember uh, is uh, Kristen Wiig and uh, uh, Melissa McCarthy and the fire marshal, <laughs> the air marshal. Sorry. Basically, Chris, basically Kristen Wiig's love interest in that movie. I see. And. Uh, it's it's the exact same situation Jim Cummings as Frank Welker with the new Scooby movie. Like they're having him do the vo- lines for Scooby Doo, but it's like, not why would you not get me Frank? started on Scoob? I've seen that movie. It was, I I did not like that movie. He's been voicing it for sixty years. What more do you want? Yeah, didn't they didn't like, they get him to voice Fred in that one Family Guy cutaway? Yes. Yeah. They did. They absolutely did. <laughs> they even got him for like Adult Swim bumpers too. Like he's voice Fred in everything except Scoob. Scoob. What do we get from Fred? You have to pay for Netflix. Oh. Uh, yeah. I've seen. Okay, I have seen that matchup. clip. Yeah. And the last matchup, um, it's the marquee of the week. I think. Yeah. All right. Uh. Oh. So. Yeah. Sorry about that tangent. Hey. Totally no, no. fine. I was. No, it's I was fine. enjoying that, but yeah, That's let's get back. Let's get back on track. Uh, the next film to make it was uh, the Six Seed Tangled, uh, which beat out Robin Hood twelve to two. And uh, we're getting into the films from week six that won, and this was one of those absolute blowout weeks where the winners were both obvious and had massive margins over the losers. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Incl- and that's also true of this next film, the three-seed Zootopia, which beat out Atlantis 10-4. to Honestly, a bit closer of a matchup than I was expecting, even though it won by a factor of two and a half. I think Atlantis would have worked better if it was a TV show, but a, a real TV show, not yeah, the Yeah, I mean, weird John Green was even the script editor. I'm like, you could have written the spinoff show, too. Right. Oh, well. What, what's Josh Whedon been up to lately? I've been hearing like back and forth things about him. Like, what's going on? Like, you don't want to know. Trying to oh, patch boy. up. I don't know. Probably trying to patch up Frankenstein movies like Justice League. <laughs> right. uh, I think I think I just answered my own question. Okay. <laughs> anyway, the next film was the Seven Seed, The Great Mouse Detective, and this Ooh. got to round two by beating out the Ten Seed, The Aristocats. We were watching uh, that stream earlier. I came in right at that one part. Yeah, I think I know my, which part you're talking about. The cabaret scene. That's the one. The cabaret scene. Wh- which scene was that? Uh, the one with the dancing mice. Yeah. Oh. Dancing yeah. mice. I I think there was only one yeah. mouse in that movie. Yeah, that scene. No great well, mouse detective. Oh, oh, okay. Like, I, I thought you were talking about the Aristocats. No. That what we were watching on the stream earlier. It was nice was... having that synchronized, and I think we should all do a riff tracks one of these days. That'd be that'd be very fun. I'd love to do a riff tracks. I'd, I'd love... like to do a real-time fan dub. 
Let's do a real time phantom of Fantasia. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what? That, that no, might be that, that might act- be kind of hard. Actually, Sit. that could be pretty fun. Just like dubbing over any dialogue we wanted for any character. Or for the Sorcerer's Apprentice, Yen Sid, voiced by Nicholas Cage and Mickey Mouse. <laughs> I think- and I think Yen-Sid has a oh, canon no, voice to kick it hard. Oh, you haven't got to kick off your in this real-time phantom. Huh? And, and, and Mickey Mouse, voiced by Chris Tucker. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if <laughs> I'm... Mickey Mouse. Morgan. Morgan Freeman. Or how about uh, Mickey Mouse, voiced by Gilbert Gottfried? <laughs> yeah. The throne is coming to life! Yeah. Oh, my God! <laughs> and, oh, hey, <laughs> hey, speaking of Gilbert Gottfried, uh, the final movie to make it to round two... Aladdin at the two seed, which uh, had yeah. an overwhelming victory over the 15 seed Chicken Little. Yeah, well, I was, uh, I was honestly die. surprised that the gap was that large. I thought Chicken Little was going to have a fighting chance. No, no, no. I'm more surprised that one person at the cast iron stones to vote for Chicken Little. <laughs> I've done it, and I can never go back. Was that Darth Vader as Lute's father? Hey, if the movie's going to give it away, why can't I? Oh yeah! How dare you spoil? Oh, that it's for been me. forty years. Everyone knows it by now. When you said Chris, when you said Chris, for some reason I thought of that one Family Guy joke. Jesus, you may be a son of a god, but you sure are one son of a. <laughs> wow! Sorry. Okay. All right, so those are our candidates for Class C. Uh, let's get into the actual matchups. We start off with Pinocchio versus the Rescuers Down Under. We will start. Oh, no, with... just the, just the regular Rescuers Down Under lost to Mulan. Right. Yeah. I was looking at the file. How did I do that? <laughs> Fourth <laughs> Yeah. Perhaps uh, denial because you wanted Down uh, Under to make it. Oh. Uh, right. Well, I mean that would have meant Mulan would lose. So, uh, lesser of two tragedies. Yeah. Anyway, Pinocchio versus the OG rescuers. And uh, we'll start with uh, Raccoon Bro, make our way down. Okay, I've wanted to say my piece on Pinocchio for a while. Um, But before I do, I just want to establish that that I like Pinocchio more than the rescuers. Uh, Simply put, it's much prettier to look at. I even, no matter how good the characters and story of the rescuers are, it's just really hard for me to watch that movie because it is so ugly to look at. It's probably one of the ugliest Disney movies ever made. And I understand that they had a tough financial situation back then, but still, it's really hard to look back on. So uh, just getting that out of the way, I want to say Pinocchio, even though I prefer it over the rescuers, I have some serious problems with it, mainly in the way it tries to handle teaching Pinocchio how to be a real boy. Because it, it, my mom and I watched it, and we get so bothered by the situations this kid is put in. Because there are so many times when he's expected to just know what the right thing to do is. But not only is he just a kid, he was born yesterday, literally. And there are scenes where uh, these, you know, the, the fox comes up to him and like uh you want to come with us like how is i don't see how that's pinocchio's fault at all like he couldn't possibly know any better and there's even that the second time he straight up kidnaps pinocchio like pinocchio wanted to go back to geppetto's house but he had no choice he was just straight up abducted with without giving consent 
And, and I understand that they're trying to drive home the point that he's not listening to his conscience. But um, I'm just going to be honest. Jiminy Cricket doesn't really make for a good conscience in this movie. He's just not good at his job. And it's not his fault. It's just because he's a little cricket. I mean, how's a kid supposed to take a little cricket seriously? Kids take adults seriously because they're bigger and they show authority. But when you're as tiny as Jiminy Cricket, you can't really give off that same, you know, energy. So I totally get why Pinocchio never listens to Jiminy until it's too late. So I just, I just think that this film puts... The, the way this film views little boys or little kids in general is very cynical and don't you mean? It's like they don't really give them much of a chance to grow because like those kids that were on the island like they're we never see them again and that really bothers me that they don't get a second chance and so i i i'm choosing pinocchio over the rescuers but i i just want to get across that i have that's i have a really serious problem with that movie but yeah. and oh, oh, one more thing yeah. geppetto Geppetto's an awful father. He literally, he, he tells his son Pinocchio, who was born the other day, he just lets him go off to school on his own. He doesn't take him there. He doesn't show him the way. He's yeah. just like, all right, well, you go. I always considered that to be the hidden moral of the picture. Always like, follow your kids to school. Like you know, what, you know what this, you know what this is like. This lady saying like, I want a child. Oh, I finally had this child. And then say, okay, get out of my, get out of my house. Go to school. Get out of here. Go, like, go. be a child. Play with sticks or something. Wh whatever kids do. I don't know. <laughs> like, like, the, like, the, like, as soon as he's born, he's saying, okay, time for you to go to school. I'm like, okay. Like, I'll talk about Pinocchio later, but you, you can sell him. Yeah. Yeah. But no, that's that, that's basically it. It's a beautiful film. I absolutely love the animation. It's gorgeous to look at. Jiminy Cricket has a fantastic singing voice, and it's love Cliff Edwards. Cliff Edwards, man, dude. Yeah. I, I that's on when you wish I upon a star. It becomes like the Disney song. Cliff exactly. Edwards, like Robin Williams before Robin Williams, the natural like anthem of OG Disney. celebrity voice. <laughs> hey, right? Hey, yeah. Hey, Carrie. Hmm? Even even though like um. You're not a fan of Jimmy Cricket, like in his conscious role. Do you like him as a character or something? I think I think he's a fun character, but he's just he he's got put into a role that's too big for his britches, unfortunately. I love also, I think it's a little weird. On House of Mouse. <laughs> Yo, I love that one. Like he just basically stands up there and he roasts all of Disney. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I love that so much. Just like, hey, I'm frozen. Of you saying you can't marry me, you just met. We're now roasting Disney movies. Jimmy Cricket beat you to it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I should check out that clip. I haven't seen House of Mouse in a long time. I'll link you to House of Mouse is the bomb, man. I, I used to watch that show all the time uh, in the summers yes. when I was a kid. It was that uh, New Adventures of Winnie the Pooh and uh, Lilo and Stitch, the series. Yeah, like, man. Well, that, well, now that you've seen like every Disney movie, you can. It, I bet House of Mouse is going to be a lot funnier now to you. I'm oh, just, yeah. I, I really want to get back into that. I'm definitely gonna binge. I'm definitely gonna binge that show. I remember having well, fun. I, needed to watch I really hope they added to Disney Plus. No, because that was the newest Disney movie at the time. That's but true. yeah, yeah. Oh, so I hope oh, yeah. they bring it back. I I don't even care if they reboot it in CGI. They need to bring it back. Yes, they do. Or at least yes. put, at least put House of Mouse on Disney Plus. Is that, all, is that too much to ask? Is that too put much it to on ask? there? And, and, have, like, and the most Disney show ever. What are you doing? Yes. Yeah, and have Chris 
and have Chris Diamantopoulos as Mickey Mouse. That guy's got an awesome Mickey impression. Oh, yeah? His Mickey voice is amazing. Okay, so, right. Uh, Jimmy like Cricket. I, man, oh. Red Eye went. Yeah. I, I find it weird that Mickey has two voice actors right now, and so it's like, who's the actual real voice actor? <laughs> I think it's because they want a more Walt-esque approach to the Mickey Mouse shorts. Yeah, hey, yeah. David Tennant voices screwed in New DuckTales, but I think Eric Bowser does everything else now. Is that, so. It's actually John Cassier in the new Mickey Mouse show. Oh, Cool. Yeah. I think Sander Mobis would do a fantastic uh, Scrooge McDuck voice. Uh, if you've ever played A Hat in Time, he plays the conductor. Oh, yeah. Wow. I, I, I couldn't even tell. I thought it was David Tennant, but no. Yeah. There's actually a clip on Twitter of Xander actually doing a Scrooge voice. Yeah, that would be perfect. Okay, so anyway, anyway, back on topic. Uh, Jimmy Cricket, yeah. Uh, I think he. I think he's a fun character. Uh, he's put in a role too big for his britches. Although this is a bit of a pet peeve of mine, there are several scenes where he's like, he, he sees, you know, the, the human puppets that Geppetto makes, and he's like, hey, what's up? Like, he's hitting on them. And I'm like, I always find it a little weird when animals find humans attractive. It's just kind of an mm. odd pet peeve of mine. But other than that, I think he's a, he's a fine character, just not, not really a... Con I wouldn't really choose him as my conscience if I needed one for my child. I would it makes for an be my, I, I believe Geppetto should have been the conscience because he's the father, and also Geppetto's yeah, packing heat. Apparently, you. he just has a gun. He just has a gun underneath his pillow when he yeah. wakes up. Oh, oh my gosh! Like later when they go to bed, all I'm thinking is that gun under his pillow. Yeah. Like, like Pinocchio, go to sleep, Pinocchio, and ignore the gun under your pillow. Like, um, yeah. I was going to shoot you with it earlier. I didn't know you were even alive yet. Oh, well. Yeah, Jiminy uh, nope. would make another appearance in uh, Fun and Fancy Free as the uh, guy who introduces uh, the Bongo segment. Which, uh, I, I, I do really, really like Fun and Fancy Free. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just a, just doesn't really age as well as most other Disney films, considering today's climate. Yeah, ah. yeah Jiminy was probably a saving grace of Fun Fancy Free, along with Willie the Giant from the Mickey Beanstalk segment. Those yeah. parts. But, yeah, I mean, I'm, but, uh, I might go to bat for uh, Mickey and the Beanstalk, uh, the Bongo segment. Yeah, you can skip it. Right, <laughs> Ouija, you want you want your case. My case on what? On um, Pinocchio what? versus the rescuers. Oh. oh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, I'm ready to share now. Personally, I'm the rescuers, I don't really find it that memorable. I mean, like, I get there are some characters that could stand out, like Madame Medusa. But just overall, I don't really remember the plot much from the last time I saw it. Which was, like, about a month ago. But Pinocchio, on the other hand, oh man, I love that movie. I know it has its flaws, but like I stated before, it's just beautiful, and the songs in it are just iconic. Ned Washington, like I, best lyrics no denying that. Wait, what? what? Yeah, what did you say, Wesley? Ned Washington was the lyricist for... Pinocchio, or at least when you wish on a star, and he was the most in demand writer for the 40s. Cool. So, wow. Couldn't go wrong with him. 
And that was just Disney's second film. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I can see why this film got a buy, considering how important it is. Right. I think it had the high... I'm going to have to check the metrics again, but I think this had the highest uh, Metacritic score. Yeah, uh, yeah, the critics probably liked it because it's grimdark. Oh, man. Can you imagine Guillermo? Just for like one more point, if I wanted to see animals rescue people, I'd watch Chippendale Rescue Rangers instead of The Rescuers. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> I feel like I should see more of that show. I feel it's like, good. Uh, I yeah. feel like uh, if, if you thought this version was dark, just wait until Guillermo del Toro gets his hands on it. <laughs> oh yeah, um, I'm looking. I'm looking at the scores, and yeah, Pinocchio had the highest Metacritic with a 99. 99. That's my Mom, my mom is still like constantly impressed by uh, the what's the name of the whale. Monstro. Monstro. Monstro, yeah. Every every scene with Monstro blows my mom's freaking mind. She's like, this is all hand-drawn? And this yeah, is very his review. Uh, who? Nostalgia Critic? Roger Ebert. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, every, every, the real Nostalgia Critic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... Uh, I think we, most of us can agree that uh, Madame Medusa is basically a discount Cruella DeVille. Yeah, we yeah. also named our family car Monstro when I was a wee young lad because it was big and white. Well, it was like a wet. No, it was grayish. It was off gray, but it was like a whale. So we called it Monstro. You know, they actually. No, for the rest of it, they actually were planning to use Cruella DeVille at one point as the villain. Really? Really? Yeah, it was supposed to be kind of like a. Spinoff, I think, of like um, 101 Dalmatians, but then they uh, got neat. changed later. Huh. Oh man, that would have been way better. <laughs> the yeah, brought back, back Corella Deville. I'd like to see more of her. Yeah, yeah she. she, she yeah. yeah, my mom was scared of her. Yep. Oh well. Yeah, as a kid, she, she. I remember she was terrified of her. Wow. Yeah, got that car with the headlights that look always look angry. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. Foreshadowing the cars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, here's the thing. yeah, here's the passage for the innovations here. In regular movies, characters were half seen at the edges. They entered and exited, and the camera panned and zoomed through additional space. Early animation tended to follow that, staying within the frame. However, in Pinocchio and later Fantasia, Disney would break the frame, and at the end with the whale, they get sneezed, drawn out again, and then blown back again. So there's the sense of the whale being off screen. So there's a sense of tension and dragging forth and back. Huh. So that must that, have taken so much time to animate. Oh my gosh. Yeah, and that new camera innovation. Is it my turn? I should go. Yeah, you probably should go. <laughs> yeah, I know a lot of people were going to bad cop Pinocchio, but I'm going to stand up to bat for it. It's considered to be Disney's first epic, quote unquote. As a story with a sprawling narrative and, and bold ideas and great music, I kind of feel like Jiminy is a bad conscience. He goes through a character arc, too, where he learns to be a good supporter and moral center. Like, he's a bum off the streets when we meet him, which I thought was pretty funny. And so he's got to learn to be a good moral conscience and a guide there. And... 
and Pinocchio is kind of a cute kid, but the villains are pretty interesting too. It's not a movie where they actually get defeated. For all we know, the coachman is still running his scheme and Stromboli just replaced Pinocchio with another. Oh, wow. So so they're not yeah. really yeah, afraid. They just escape and do their own thing. And that lets Pinocchio be pretty grimdark and pretty chilling, but also kind of a fairy tale that can grip you and go for this little adventure it's yeah. it can and also has some fun moments like with back and forth and the lie scene that's just that's just iconic even if i kind of disagree a little with the idea of never ever lie because at some point yeah. in your life you will have to lie to cover up for something but but still just the way the scene is presented is just hilarious and just iconic but but I'm going with Pinocchio because it's such a creative, such a visually appealing film, and the Rescuers is just kind of eh. Yeah, yeah. I'll be, else, I'll be right back. Uh, I'll be back in a few minutes. Anyone else find it a little odd that they just kind of gloss over the fact that by lying, Pinocchio creates life? <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. The birds just spontaneously generate. They don't even build the nest. Like, like Geppetto, these people clearly... They, clear, they clearly haven't seen Full Metal Alchemist. They don't know the laws of alchemy. I want to know the life story of those two birds after they leave Pinocchio's nose. Yeah, yeah same. Maybe, they're, maybe those birds are the same birds. They bird become Mr. Bluebird in the, oh, oh, yeah. the South. That makes sense. That's a good headcanon. Yeah, Pinocchio's set mostly in Italy. Cinderella is set in France. That's pretty close. That's like a quick, quick flight. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like Song of the South it would be a little a bit, bit further of a flight. <laughs> yeah, much further. Uh, they stole away gonna... on Steamboat Willie. Oh, um, have you guys have you guys ever seen uh, the Shrek Halloween special? Here we go, Shrek. I have. Wait, which and one? The Shrekzercist. And I love oh, that. The Shrek. Oh yeah, Pinocchio stamps so on the fun. cricket, which is which. Fun fact is how it plays out in the book. Uh huh. Yep, that's how it happens. But yeah, what yeah. Do you mean, wait, what do you mean plays out? In the Killing original Jimmy. book by Carlo Collodi, Pinocchio just stomps on the cricket. Like, he doesn't even get a chance to be the conscience. He smashes oh him with a mouth. The original Pinocchio book is fucked up. I'm going to say it right now. It is a fucked up story. The, oh, movie, is, the movie's kind of messed up, but it has nothing on the book. Like I feel like that describes a lot of Disney adaptations. Like, you, like you know what else happens? I'm traumatized, yippee. Like, you know what else happens in the book? Pinocchio what, what else? Um, Pinocchio gets fucking lynched. He gets lynched? hanged. Yep, he gets Wait, hanged. Only in the original draft. Oh, uh, what does that word mean? It means hanging. hanging. Without trial. Ugh. Like, yeah, does he, gets, he live since he's wood? Yeah, he gets brought to life later, but like, ugh. Yeah, like during uh, the 50s and 60s, like there were tons of lynch mobbing because of all the racial tension going on. Yeah, yeah but again, lynching means hanged without trial. So Real, It's really messed up. Yeah. Oh, hey, Nick, have you ever seen the uh, Shrek Halloween special? I have not. We're back to Shrek. Basically, there's of course we are. a scene. They parody Shrek's Resist, 
and Pinocchio's the possessed child. And at the end, the twit the twist is that he's he was was controlled by Jiminy Cricket. <laughs> he was making do all the demonic stuff. <laughs> oh wow. I mean, uh, yeah. I, I was just gone. I was gone for like two minutes, and you guys are talking about lynching. Yeah, because apparently yeah, that happens in the original story. The original ending <laughs> of the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I've heard. I've heard that uh, the original uh, Pinocchio is a lot more twisted than what we get with Disney. I guess it's a yeah. The movie is about as twisted as so Disney dark. got. And then he steps on him. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, Disney's standard. Oh, this is a horror movie. There's the transformation scene. Oh man, that's oh, god. god. Oh, oh god. I hate it so much. For his mother. God, it just that scene gives me nightmares. I hate it so much. It oh, gives man, me chills any any every time I hear him scream for I his mean, mom. You act like a jackass. You reap what you sow. Yeah, yeah. when they said jackass, Wait, wasn't. Jiminy I should point out. I forget. Was it the water on Pleasure Island that turns them into asses? Yeah, no, I think, just like, I think just I being there was what turned them into it. I think it's the smoke. I think it's their cigars. Hmm. It, just to point out, Jiminy Cricket in his nineteen forty de- de- in his nineteen forty child friendly debut says, "Go on, laugh, make a jackass out of yourself." <laughs> debut yeah. for I mean, they character. Do... They moved when that he... line into Kingdom Hearts as well, but changed it to Jack and Mules. No, oh, come on! Uh, what, a, what a cop out! Wow! Yeah, come on! Like, but anyway, you and I, wow, think... Pinocchio. Anyway, you and I think it's your turn. Care to elucidate? Okay. Yeah, I'd love to. Okay, mm. um, let me just say both of them. Pinocchio. I grew up on this movie as a kid. I think it still holds true today. I love the morals and the lessons that it teaches. On how to be a good kid, the lessons still stay true to you. Like, yeah, I was about to say Pinocchio is kind of moralistic, but at least they're good morals. Oh yeah, they are, and they're not holding back any punches. The rest that if you mess up, they're strong. Like um, with them being chopped into firewood, turned into donkeys. Ugh, they're not holding back any punches. They're gonna like make you. You're gonna be a good good kid by the end of this, and like. Even Roger Ebert, like you said, Roger Ebert himself said, after seeing Pinocchio, he has never smoked a cigar once in his life. That, right. That's that's pretty cool. And I wonder how many kids were turned off drinking because of Dumbo. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh huh. And so that that was the purpose of the Pink Elephant Parade. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very tale. Wouldn't that make it? Hmm? Little help that did for me because I'm currently drinking a beer right now. Uh, yeah, wouldn't that make kids want to drink? Like, oh man, I get to see a bunch of cool elephants in front of me. That's awesome. And uh, see the animation. Oh my goodness, the animation! Like, I heard that Walt Disney, like, you know that little panning shot that Walt Disney that the movie had when we like zoom into like the village. It's morning now, and it's like Pinocchio about to go off to school. They invented mm-hmm. a multi-plane camera just for that scene. Yeah, I heard it was like over like a million dollars, and. I'm just saying, Walt Disney was a freaking mad genius because he wanted this film to look brilliant. Like I heard that, like after Snow White, he had one goal in mind to make this look better than Snow White. And like while Snow White was already impressive, this took it to the next level, and it it just blew my mind. Blew my mind how this is done in the forest, like with the penny shots, like all the different animals they have, especially with the battle with Monstro at the end. Ah, yeah. oh, it's it's gorgeous. To look at like I. 
I really like a, a couple of the, a lot of the characters stick out. Jiminy Cricket is one of my favorite Disney characters, and a lot of it goes to Cliff Ever's performance, which really does good, bring good, good, really does do a good job bringing the character to life. And I feel like without Cliff Ever's, like we wouldn't have as much celebrities within like, like Robin Williams. We wouldn't have like James Earl Jones. We wouldn't have a, a majority of them if it weren't for Cliff Edwards. Double really, sword, but you know, yeah, like if. Like Jimmy Cricket really like gave the movie like a modern edge. Like it gave, he brought in something that like more modern audiences get into. Like the Seven Dwarves and the and Snow White were more common release too, but they were more traditional. Like they fit the story. Jimmy Cricket was kind of like an observer. Like he'd be like the audience's view. Like he reacts in a way that the audience reacts, and that's very neat and like very rare for the time in the forties. And he's has a lot of great lines, like, after Pinocchio, it's successful as an actor on the stage. He has a line that says, what is an actor want with a conscience anyway? <laughs> that line still sits true even today. And, like, but I will say the film does have a couple flaws, like, especially with Geppetto, like, with Geppetto just saying, okay, Pinocchio, you're alive now. I've always wanted a son. Okay, get out of my house and go to school. That kind of stuff could be kind of, like, a little frustrating. Yeah. I feel like some of the songs could be better, like, when you wish upon a star is like one of the best Disney songs of all time. The rest of the songs, I feel like, that could use a, a little bit of a polish here and there. Ultron, need I got no strings. Sound creepy. Oh, oh, don't remind me. Yeah. And uh, what else is there? Oh yeah, and some of the pacing can be a bit off. Like Pinocchio's adventures are like Stromboli and with the coachman and plunge around. It feels like it took place in one night. But then when he starts looking for um, Geppetto and Monstro, like with Figaro and Cleo. And it was like, we didn't hear from Geppetto, not a bite in days. I'm like, days? Days? How long has Pinocchio been gone? I'm like, there's no way this could have happened just, like, two days. Like, Pinocchio was there for, like, a night, maybe? Like, again, but that that kind of frustrates me. But yeah, like, Maybe Geppetto just lost uh, track of time being inside the belly of a whale. Right. Or maybe Pinocchio was literally spending days underneath the ocean because hey, of the... Jonah the survived for three nights. Three days and nights. That could be a good, good barometer. Yeah, but I will say this: I'm uh, on the subject of Pinocchio. Have any like who here has been catching up on SpongeBob lately? Yeah, uh, uh, I oh, have. you mean the Patrick episode? Yes, there's an episode called Patnocchio, which is they did this brilliant satire of Pinocchio, where Plankton pretends to be Patrick's conscience, and I was surprised how far they went with referencing the Disney film because. Plankton dresses up like Jiminy Cricket. He even says a couple lines like, "Time to let your conscience be your guide," which is a direct line from the from the Disney film. Yeah, and, and it follows the story pretty closely. Yeah, like it really did. So, like, um, if you haven't seen it, go watch it because it is a really funny episode. Yeah. I'll check out yeah. that episode. I haven't been caught up on it because the animation's gotten a bit too experimental for my taste. Oh no, I I, I think it's still pretty Two good. Out. But also, Yoda Jack, since we saw Happily Ever After, you think we could get together for Pinocchio and the Emperor of the Night? Oh, I've seen well, it. I've seen a lot of it. It's not all that great, in my opinion, to be honest. Although I, other Disney knockoffs. Although Emperor. I will say I will say this. James Earl Jones as the Emperor of the Night, perfect casting. <laughs> like, yeah. it is perfect. Like, I love James Earl Jones' voice. Oh, like, just hearing his yeah. voice as that is gives me chills like it is such a perfect voice okay. oh okay. wow wow and now with um rest rescuers on the other hand yeah if i can be honest on the rescuers i'm not that big a fan of it i like this the kid i 
don't think it holds up now that much. Like, uh, like Carrot said, like, like, yeah, like I love the, I like the main characters, like um, Richard Bernard and Miss Bianca, Bob Newhart and Eva, De- Eva Debar, do great their characters, and I think I'd follow them on adventure. The only problem is we're in a swamp. The whole movie, we're just in an ugly swamp. I'm just like, where's the fun? This I mean, give, I give, don't... give credit to Shrek. It doesn't spend a whole movie in the swamp. Like, yeah, yeah. Going to my swamp in the frog. That film's animation is so beautiful that they make a swamp look appealing. Yeah. And it's also but... in the inner city, too, not just the swamp. Right. Yeah, like, you know, like, I like some, like, um, they're fine. Like, the other characters, I don't really remember that much. Like, the little girl can be just kind of too sweet, too cutesy for my taste. Yeah. Oh no. The villain has its funny moments. Yeah. I um, Mad Medusa though. I I really would have liked to see Cruella Deville actually make a return. Yeah, and, that would um, have been hilarious. Yeah, add to the House of Mouse Cinematic Universe if you I mean, will. I love what, like, I love the part where she's trying to sweet talk uh, the little girl into you know going back to that. Like, yeah. Going back to that uh, cavern or cave or whatever to get that diamond, and at what uh, point she's just like. Who would ever want to adopt you? Ow! Like, yeah. Way to oh, like, first of all, way to stick to that plan of trying to sweet talk her. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, um, literally the scene before she was like, "You need to know how to speak to children." Yeah, yeah. yeah she's she's uh-huh. easily my favorite part of that movie, even though she's so despicable. And it goes, so you know- she goes into play. That movie just goes into places that Disney usually doesn't do. Like, I mean, a lot of its early movies have to do with the abuse like abusing a child or a teenager in some point but this one just goes the extra mile and i don't know how i feel about that i don't know if i should give props to disney for going that far or if i should feel uncomfortable for going that far hey um uh, you know um madame medusa was actually based on the on her animator's ex-wife <laughs> really wow that yeah. a lot oh god yeah, mi- yeah bill call based a lot of it on his ex-wife which i right. i thought Found that was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, so, well, um, look on the bright side. Without the rescuers, we wouldn't have had the twenty percent awesome, more awesome sequel. Yes. yes, I love the rescuers down under. I think that's a much more. That was the technical innovation too, because it was the first digitally colored film. Yes, exactly. yes, it was. So, um, uh, while I'm the rescuers is just kind of eh to me. I really do like Pinocchio, even despite his flaws. So, my vote, my vote, my vote goes to Pinocchio. All right. All right. I guess at the end of the day, my I, I just I take issue with the the idea of scaring children into a lesson. Like that's kind of where I take issue most of all with yeah. Pinocchio. Like I don't like the idea of like using fear as a tactic. Right. Yeah. Understood. All right. Uh, I'll be totally honest. I had very little to say about either of these movies going in, and I have even less to say now because it's already been said by you guys. I honestly don't know which one I'd pick because I'm not the biggest fan of Pinocchio, and that's just my own biases. I've said before that the really early Disney movies just kind of feel like a little too slow and prodding for my taste. I've just been spoiled by modern cinema, so it's just kind of a personal thing. And I do kind of have those issues that uh, Carrick had uh, with Pinocchio and uh, Rescuers. I'm I'm a bit more forgiving. 
I the like the animation doesn't bother me too much, but at the same time, there's not really a whole lot to talk about, especially considering that there's a far superior sequel that got unfairly shafted in this tournament. I'm still not over that. Yeah, like I heard it that boosted up the meta score a little bit. It could have been a nine seed. Yeah, like <laughs> I heard that. Like um, it I heard that because it didn't do so well on its first weekend or something. Jeffrey Katzenberg like pulled a plug and like, nope, that's it. No one should see this movie. I'm like, but come on. Damn. Damn you. <laughs> Katzenberg. Katzenberg. Wait, what happened with Katzenberg? He like, I, when the rest of his under didn't do well in his first opening weekend, Jeffrey Katzenberg pulled all advertising saying like, nope, that's it. It didn't do so well in his first weekend. No one should see this movie. Next. What is the Nickelodeon? <laughs> Basically. Oh, God. Okay, so I can't really decide which one uh, I'd vote for. Um, thankfully, I've got a week to make that decision, so uh, yeah. Take your time. Believe me, I, I wish I had. Yeah. All right. Uh, Want to move on? Okay. Yeah. All right, let's why go. Gay, why What's does Gay Frillis not like Rescuers Down Under? I forgot. I it's Jello Apocalypse who doesn't. Hmm? It's, yeah. it's Jello Apocalypse. He very elaborated. I disagree. Oh, Skate Frillis also yeah. said that he doesn't like it. In a, I video. mean, uh, more, I didn't hear more power to them, but uh, no. But when he was when he was ranking the Renaissance movies, mm. but he he likes the only movie he didn't like. He the only movie he liked less was Pocahontas. Yeah, I think for Jello Apocalypse, the only movie he liked less was Dinosaur. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, but, uh, he did the whole. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to the next matchup. Fantasia 2000 versus Winnie the Pooh 77. We'll start with Yoda Jax this time. Okay. Fantasia 2000. I'm going to be honest. With Fantasia and Fantasia 2000, it's kind of hard to be to choose which one I actually like more. With Fantasia 2000, I actually like, in some ways, I actually like better than the first one, if I could be honest. Because... Or something about like the way it's animated, like um, with the original Fantasia, like they're all animated like kind of like the same way. They have the same kind of traditional animation that like every other Disney film used. But Fantasia two thousand, every other piece looks different. Everyone, every single one looks different, and I really respect that. Everyone has everything has a different tone, like how to match with the music. And I saw this as a kid. I actually saw this as a kid more than the original Fantasia, and I was like astounded by it. It was just like beautiful eye candy like and to this day one of my absolute favorite segments in disney history is rhapsody in blue oh my god oh, yes oh, oh that is just life I that could, is so beautiful i could gush about that george dershwin's star just moves perfectly with the animation that they chose like eric goldberg did the animation like he directed this one eric goldberg is probably my favorite animator currently living like he, the beautiful Al Hirschfeld s style that he had with this, just and the colors too. Oh, it's just like it really fits together. Oh man, I it's like I said, it's something I could gush about forever. All the other scenes are good too, like the Pines and Rome segment, um, even the Pop and Circumstance one with Donald Duck that was pretty cool. Like the Carnival of the Animals, which actually had inputs from one of the original writers of Fantasia, Joe Grant, who is like one of the big story giants at disney history he worked all the way in snow white and he even worked in some of the more modern disney films like *Beauty and the beast and the lion king so he's a big guy there 
he was like one of the big story people there. So yeah, Fantasia Two that's what I really love. But with Winnie the Pooh, oh man, Winnie the Pooh, those stories just warm my heart. Like Winnie the Pooh, all of his characters—they all mean so much to me. All the characters, the stories they get into. Like it doesn't have to be like a big grand story. It's just these characters that interact with each other. Just all these situations they get into, but they have so much charm to them. Like Winnie the Pooh, Tigger, Piglet, Eeyore, Rabbit. All these characters, they all have such a unique charm and friendliness to them that you just want to watch them whenever they're on screen. So, a bit of a bit of a hard choice to go with. But if it, you had to make me choose, I have to go with Winnie the Pooh because yeah, it really gets you there, man. It really gets you. Yeah, I know the feel. I know the feeling. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yep, so that's my choice. All right, cool, uh, Wesley. Uh, yeah, I was kind of torn, too, because I like both these movies basically the same, because I like them both a lot. Fantasia 2000's a tech demo. It's got this glorious visuals, these new innovations, these beautiful set pieces. But for right now, where I stand right at this moment... Winnie the Pooh is probably my go-to because I just like the characters. It's like a warm, inviting sitcom. It's like Cheers for for kids. It's got these personalities. It's just them having fun together. There's a sense of camaraderie and companionship. And having three stories in one, but still being able to combine the narrative with the book. That's just genius how they were able to... Um, combine these three disparate shorts like that and it's just so warm and inviting and i can see why disney spawned their big mega franchise from this so i siding with winnie the pooh because it's just so cute and so lovable and so wholesome but not in a condescending way so winnie the pooh i think the best word to describe that movie is just charming how many winnie the pooh movies have you seen because if I were to choose other Winnie the Pooh movies I like more than the 1971, I had to choose Pooh's Grand Adventure and the Tigger movie. Yes, like, the Tigger I, movie. I think I've seen all of them, at least all the ones that were in theaters. I saw the Tigger Piglet Heffalump trilogy. I saw. I did see Grand Adventure. That one's pretty nice. But um, but um, I think yeah, yeah, I. I think Tigger movie is a worthy successor that could stand up to that one. But that is not canon, and so it's not in this tournament. The Tigger movie makes me cry like a bitch. <laughs> yeah. Well, I have plans to uh, watch the rest of the Winnie the Pooh movies that are on Disney Plus. Are there any you guys think I should skip, or are they all worth watching? I think they're all worth all watching. Like, okay. They're all. Uh, yeah. They're all pretty good. Cool. Yeah, I think I'm gonna have to do that too. I've seen the second half of the Ticker movie and uh, parts of Pooh's Grand Adventure, but not much else. And I feel bad about that. And you also, yeah, yeah, and the Heffalump movie also introduced series regular and boss in Winnie the Pooh's Home Run Derby. Lumpy. Oh, Winnie the Pooh's Home Run Derby. Oh, man. I've actually made is it. Is that going to be the next, like, that is the best game of all time? I've actually made it up to Christopher Robin, but my God. Wait, oh, Christopher Robin is a boss. He's he's the yeah. final one. The final boss. Oh, man, that's a weird. Man. That's a weird sentence. Christopher <laughs> Robin is the final boss. Could you imagine like, <laughs> could you imagine like um uh, Mario or Crash Bandicoot going up against him in a racing game? 
or Garfield. <laughs> yeah, actually, there there actually is a Mario baseball game on uh, GameCube, I believe. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, name a sport. Mario's probably played it. Probably. Mm-hmm. Curling. Except yeah. football, Mario's oddly curling. enough. No football for some reason. Soccer. He's played soccer. European football. No American football. Oh, God. Oh God. Imagine. Okay. Yes, like costume okay. and galley. Bowser. Imagine, though, I'm just imagining Bowser as a defensive lineman. Hmm? Yeah. Well, yeah. In Super Mario imagine? Galaxy, you can make Mario through his costuming a football playing king in space with a mustache. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Love it. All right, uh, Ouija. Oh, a football playing king in space with a mustache. And when okay, was he? Yeah, let's. What, was he talked about Fantasia 2000 yet? Yeah, I did. I briefly went over how it was a technical innovation. And ah, that's right. Enjoyable. Yeah. And I liked it about the same as Winnie the Pooh, but I gave a slight edge to the Pooh, partially for nostalgia bias, but hey, that's yeah. the whole point of the tournament. Right. Okay, we should hear up. Why do I have to be paired up to discuss two of my favorite movies? Ugh. I, I know love that both of them. I love Fantasia 2000 with, like, how they're still able to have creative segments for the music, like with the Space Whales. And Star Trek IV tried to warn the- us. And there's also the whole idea of, like, combining the story of Noah's Ark, but with Donald Duck's slapstick. Actually, I, I didn't love really that. like that one. I consider it to be the weakest among the Fantasia segments because the music just does not fit. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I mean, disagree. it's kind of pulling a nutcracker and telling a different story with the music. I disagree because, like, when I when I graduated, all I could think of was that was Donald Duck in Noah's Ark. That's all I could think of. That I didn't know what graduation even meant when I first saw Fantasia as a wee kid. Uh, so um, You had that reverse effect then. Yeah, yeah, yeah I guess so. That's like, associa- um, unfortunately, that's association by S. Yoda. Yeah. yeah. But, um, you know what? There's a joke in there that I got as a kid. I'm just like, oh, man, you know what it is? In is it that- the one with the animal, with, like, the dragon and the griffin yes, and, like, the unicorn dying in there- the flood they're, they're like they're laughing saying oh that's never the wave isn't gonna happen like oh we know no they're why they're not around anymore i'm like good goodness <laughs> i'm like i oh, man, yeah that I was a really one visual gag uh-huh yeah. i'm gonna have to rewatch that and also because i missed that frank the thrilled neck wizard from rescuers down under in that scene and oh, yeah. i love the moment where donald sees the real ducks walking past him and he just stares at like the camera like <laughs> yep I love that so much. What what were okay, you saying? Okay, that's I'll give that. What did you say, Wes, about rescuers down under? Frank the frilled neck lizard has a oh cameo okay. in the pop and circumstance. <laughs> All right, uh, Ouija, you were go, yeah. go ahead go and with, oh well, let me check the other movie I'm going up against. Wait, which one is it again? Winnie the, Winnie the Pooh. Pooh. Sorry. Winnie the Pooh, the one from 1977. Sorry, ADHD mind is like, there's so many things going on at once. Alright, babe. Like, Winnie the Pooh, I really have a soft spot for it because it's just a good, wholesome, good time. Just, yeah, bleh. 
it's just a wholesome good time to watch who like the decompress who after a long day. And I love like how energetic Tigger is. Just the timidness of Piglet, the characterization for all of them, it just makes me feel so warm inside just thinking about them. And the songs as well. Sometimes I just help myself singing the wonderful thing about Tigger's while doing stuff like drawing. Yeah. Though if I had to pick one, I'd have to choose Winnie the Pooh. Yeah, it seems like it seems like we've got a pattern going on here. I mean, like, I like Fantasia 2000, but you just can't beat the original. Yeah. It's definitely a tall order, especially when you use one of the original shorts yeah. in your film. Okay. I, I don't know if I'd fully agree yeah. with that, but I'll save that for when it's my turn. Yeah, isn't that cheating? It absolutely is cheating. I not get a goofy short at all to... Mm in like a Fantasia sequel at all. Oh, man. Yeah, it's like yeah. the most iconic, but still you could have just tried something different. Yeah. Or they yeah. could have reanimated it. Say if if, if it up with the current animation style. If Goofy um, were to get his own um Fantasia segment, which music can you guys see a pair with? I can either see a pair with um either Ride of the Valkyries or Minute Waltz. I was gonna say Hungarian Rhapsody. I was oh, gonna yeah. say, oh, yeah. That one's like yeah. paired with like every. I was gonna say, um, I was gonna say, Prelude to a Fawn by Debussy. He's just frolicking the woods, dressed like a satyr, and he's out of tune. <laughs> oh my god, that would totally fit. Oh, Debussy, uh, I love Debussy. <laughs> <laughs> Always start with Debach and end with Debussy. Oh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> Always start with a buck and then with the buzz. Yeah. <laughs> oh god, god man. Um, we're getting pretty goofy here. Uh, would you mind posting that song, uh, that orchestration, Wesley, in the chat? I don't believe I've heard that one. Oh, some music. Coming You've heard it before. It, it's, a, it's been in a few things, but um, fine. Uh, Ouija, Just... have you uh? Have you come? Oh, have you guys oh, yeah, seen you Electro Don Tropo? Yeah, I voted Winnie the Pooh. Gotcha. Yeah. Oh, have you guys seen Allegro Non Tropo? It's the raunchy Italian version of Fantasia. Wait, no. can you can you post the name in like the chat so I can look it up later? Sure. Um, it means not so fast in musical terms, but Allegro Non Tropo. Ah. Um, anyway, uh, right. Raccoon, uh, what do you have to say? Before I get started, uh, nostalgia alert, nostalgia alert. <coughs> Save my cabbages. And now that we've gotten the nostalgia alert out of the way, um, and the avatar reference. Oh, yeah. Uh, I will say this about Fantasia 2000. It is a very, very beautiful film. And in fact, there are scenes where they use CGI, such as with the whales segment, uh, which I, which, well, a part that I really love that I don't think gets talked about enough. The CGI in this film is surprisingly holds up really well. And I think oh, yeah. it's, right. and I think this part of the reason, soldier. 
Yeah, right. And I think the reason it does is because it doesn't go for realism. It goes for, it goes for uh, artistic style. Right. Even I, always, though I always thought CGI was better at conveying something wasn't real rather than something that is real. Mm -hmm. As opposed to, yeah, trying to be technically impressive, they go for a hand-drawn uh, sort of vibe with the 3D, and I think that really worked out for it. It just feels like a different way of telling the story, and it works really well. And Yeah, they, you'll, see the, you'll see the technique perfected in more modern things like Peanuts movie and Spider-Verse. Yeah, or Captain Underpants. Which is a personal favorite of mine. God, I still need to oh, see yeah. Spider Verse. All Captain I know is that song. <laughs> what? Which one? The uh, sunflower? sunflower. The one. That yeah. Was, the one that was the number one hit. Yeah. So you, you want to watch like really unique 3D films? Like Sorry, check out guys. Peanuts. Sorry guys, that disconnected there for some reason. It's fine. I'm back. Check check out stuff like Peanuts, Captain Underpants, and Into the Spider Verse. You won't you won't regret it. And also they, SpongeBob. And also sponge out of water to a certain extent. I still need yeah. to see that well, one. We can't watch that because we don't live in Canada. Maybe Aston can tell us what he thought. Different uh, SpongeBob movie. Yeah. And oh, that's my movie. Okay. I'm looking forward to the next next one because CGI in the new SpongeBob film looks absolutely insane. I love it. It does. Uh, but back to this one. Uh, we all agree that Rhapsody in Blue is a fantastic one because it does a great job of telling all these individual stories and somehow making them all connect by the end and the carnival of the animals is a personal favorite of mine because it's got that eric goldberg zany energy mm -hmm. to it that we all know and love and uh i like the opener to the sorcerer's apprentice because penn and teller are always a win True. but yeah. uh, i and it's a it's cool seeing uh, Mickey Mouse interact with uh, the conductor once again. I always appreciate that. And hearing Wayne Alwyn as Mickey Mouse uh, really hits me in the feels because yes. I miss that guy. Yeah. I, I miss Wayne Alwyn so much. When I heard he died, there's part of me that just left when I heard he died. Because he's I, the voice I think of when I think of Mickey Mouse. When I first got into voice acting, Wayne Alwyn was long dead. But then when Rusty Taylor died, that's when I... That oh, was the, oh. I were they a married couple in real life? They, yes, yes, they, they were. were. Mm -hmm. Oh, that makes it even sadder. And Tara Strawn told a story about um her relationship with Rusty Taylor, and it is heartbreaking. Because like, she knew Rusty Taylor missed Wayne Alwyn. And like, I can't spoil it here, because if you want to search it, go search it up on Twitter. But it's not get you, man. It's gonna get ya. I'm just glad the final short that aired while she was still alive was at least like one where she was singing a song with Mickey, kind of like what she did with Wayne yeah. in the oh, past. Yes, of course. <sighs> I raccoon bros out for a bit, so I'll take this, I think I'll take this time to uh, talk about Fantasia 2000 a bit. Because, uh, like Yoda Jack said, I kind of feel like this is on par with the original Fantasia, if not even elevated above it in some parts. Like Rhapsody in Blue, not just experimenting with new music, but with a new style. And uh, that, on its own, is one of my favorite compositions. Yeah, this is compositions. basically what Right? And it's one of my favorite compositions of the 20th century. 
Like, I've actually wanted to learn how to play that on the piano, but uh, it is hard as hell. <laughs> they actually cut out yeah, a good chunk of that in the movie, which is basically just uh, solely piano. But, and I can understand why they I can understand why they cut that part out. I actually don't know if that was part of the original uh, recording that they used for this movie, but like seriously, listen to listen to another version of it. It's a uh, it's pretty incredible. And uh, yeah, uh, Animal Carnival. Apparently, apparently that original piece was written kind of as a joke. Uh, Sanson wasn't being entirely serious with it. Kind of meant it to be a bit more humorous. So uh, the fact that it's paired up with that animation with the flamingo, yeah, it's it's very fitting. Yeah, He's the swan, which was totally serious and the only one he allowed to play. So he said, "Let's go crazy with the rest of them." <laughs> I, I yeah, I heard that like on um, the Carnival of the Animals was supposed to be like a sequel to like um the dan to the dancing segment from the original Fantasia with the ostriches and the hippos, but they they wanted to stand out more on its own, so they just changed it with flamingos. <laughs> And uh, and of course the uh, free. Well, Mingo always look like they're doing a dance choreographed by Bob Fosse anyway. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, I love how it ends with uh, the Freebird Suite. Sorry, Firebird Suite. Freebird. Play Freebird. <laughs> Leonard Skinner. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What's up, Carol? Okay. Sorry, sorry about that. Uh, you didn't miss much. We were just talking Fantasia 2000. I think it's your turn, though. Oh, don't worry. I heard what you guys were saying. I just needed to uh, mute for a second because I uh, had some uh, family members moving in and out. Didn't want to disturb the recording. Gotcha. Uh, but anyway, uh, Fantasia 2000, I really appreciate like the style changes because it feels like Disney's version of of a reanimated project because you guys know those videos like they're all over yeah, the internet right. right now love them like you got the dover yeah. Boys yeah, you got cartoon all-stars reanimated like those things are fantastic and it's because of those style changes that it, it keeps me invested because it feels like everyone's being able to provide their own voice and i i love the artistic merit of that and in the in the fact that james earl jones one of the most epic sounding voice actors in the in entertainment industry was chosen to introduce carnival of animals i feel like that was a really nice comedic touch like uh, i feel like the only reason they got james Earl jones in here because they wanted him to say something silly i wouldn't be surprised if they just had him read that thing cold and his reaction to it was actually genuine like are you guys sure about this yeah that was funny <laughs> yeah uh, yeah but then you got winnie the pooh my old friend Oh, Winnie the Pooh. I... Hello. Hello, Pooh Bear, my Hello, old friend. I've missed you. Uh, I'm back. Yeah, but also that epilogue, man. That's right, Jack. Whoever what? thought Winnie the Pooh could kill your feels like that with that oh, epilogue. God, yes. Uh, uh, but recently, my mom and I watched it again, because we've been marathoning stuff on Disney Plus for the past few weeks, and that that was a film that she and I watched so much when I was just a wee little lad, and we we got hit hard in the heart because of all, all the memories came flowing back, and the idea of that familial camaraderie, and just sitting down and watching just watching these characters 
live life. I feel like a main problem that most of us have had with past Disney, with the, you know, really early Disney films is that they didn't really have strong plots. But this film proves that you don't have to have a strong plot as long as you have strong characterization and charm to go with it. Because this film has that in spades. Everybody has a really distinct personality. And the f- just seeing these people interact with each other and react to new situations, uh, like my mom loves us a rain, 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 falling down, down, down song. Yeah. And I really... The song where Winnie the Pooh is just like exercising or looking for honey. It's like, do you want, do you want lunch? It's just, and it, I didn't even catch that one joke where Gopher appears for the first time and he's like, remember, remember, you'll find me in the book. But then Winnie the Pooh's like, well, remember Owl? He's not in the book. I didn't realize <laughs> no that way. was a joke. I thought he, didn't he, said he was, wasn't in the, wasn't book. Even the book. He was created I, for the film. I didn't realize that I'm was a meta joke sure or meta humor. supposed existed. to be the replacement for Piglet. Yeah. So, uh, but then Piglet was added in. Yeah. That's And uh, T- Tigger is such a joyous uh, soul who wouldn't want to get behind his bouncing and the ending where he like gets everybody uh, to in on it even rabbits like to bounce along with him oh it's such a heartwarming you know, sec- you know the sing-alongs his song actually has a second verse <laughs> really diggers are wonderful yeah. fellas diggers are awfully sweet that's the bridge. Everyone else is jealous. That's why I repeat. Here's a cuddly fellow. Tell me Everyone else is jealous. That's why I repeat. Oh, yeah, but also there's the wonderful thing about Tiggers is Tiggers are wonderful chaps. They're loaded with women with vigor. They love, love to leap in your laps. Like they actually the most wonderful thing about Tiggers is I'm the only one. Yeah. Uh, my sister liked to make Tigger noises when she was a baby, and and you can still kind of do it. Uh, But yeah, the the classic like seeing the 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 curmudgeon like having just as much fun as uh, the the playful character, like that's a trope that's always really nice to see. And I love, I just. It's hard. It's hard to hate this movie. I don't see how anyone could. It just got so much heart and wit. Whoever hates because... Winnie the Pooh doesn't have a pure soul. Yeah. Yeah. This. This I feel is the textbook definition of a family film because yes. something yeah, that you can an can enjoyable sit your kids down to watch, but ages. at the same time, you, at the same time, you can get just as engaged with it because of there's always that wit to it and there's a certain amount of edge too because you got uh the very memorable scene where rabbit gets lost in the woods like they they went pretty hard there with uh, him Stop getting freaked out by that. he yeah. was yep and and it also served as comeuppance because he was trying to get tigger lost but uh, he soon learned that tiggers don't get lost <laughs> Rabbits do. Bunny boy. And they'll use nature to guide them. When he the 2011 Winnie the Pooh does a really good job of capturing the same feeling when it comes to the characters, uh, 
how they sound and also uh, their characterization. But I feel the main problem with that film really boils down to the length. Like they, what makes many of the ventures of Winnie the Pooh work is that it's multiple stories and we, and we get to spend more time with these characters because really they're not meant for some epic grand adventure, which makes yeah. Winnie the Pooh's grand adventure a bit of an oxymoron. If you ask me, this <laughs> story is about characters and simply getting into slice of life stories. And I feel that can only work for a feature film. If you're telling multiple stories, much like many adventures and you also find a way to interconnect them right and so that's why i feel like the 2011 version while still a fantastic take on it pales in comparison because it tries to do hard to tell just one story with a you know a goal at the end whereas at the end of the day winnie the pooh is more like an art house film it's just seeing characters live life at which is kind of um weird to say about winnie the pooh like you wouldn't expect that but it, it just works is that yeah. why the tv shows kind of work because like it's just a bunch of like episodes with like slice of life type stuff yeah exactly oh, right. like that's what when at the end of the day that's how you captured the feeling and charm of these characters just seeing them live life and uh that's and that's why you know seemingly out of context or non sequitur moments like the heffalump dream work for me more in comparison to the dumbo pink elephant scene because it's actually it's not story relevant yeah it's not it's not trying to tell some story like that ev- where everything interconnects like just seeing these characters being themselves is all we need and not to mention the fact that the heffalumps do actually come back later down the franchise so and that, they're real yeah so that dream se- sequence ends up being i guess you could say important to the story af- after the fact it's important yeah. to the lore of winnie the pooh itself yeah, yeah. winnie the pooh lore <laughs> that that's why in kingdom hearts you know thing, whenever winnie Tigger, the-, the cloud cuckoo lander would be the one to introduce integral lore to the shonen anime film known as Winnie the Pooh. Ugh, what yeah. is this franchise? That, that's why I feel whenever Winnie the Pooh and friends are in Kingdom Hearts, they're not... It's not some grand adventure like most other Disney levels that Sora, Donald, and Goofy go on. It's just a bunch of side quests and different mini games because it's just meant to be a supplemental part. And that's all it needed. Right. And I feel like I, I really appreciate it. Now also, I'm just thinking of what Heffalum Heartless could look like, and I'm thinking it could either be really cool or really scary. Or both. Why not both? Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah like, the like real Christopher Robin, he hated being associated with Winnie the Pooh because he felt marked for life. Oh, if only he could have lived to see Kingdom Hearts and the Christopher Robin reboot. Right. Oh my gosh! Christopher Robin goes to war. Oh god! Yeah. Uh, what about what about Christopher Robin the boss in racing, <laughs> or in Homer yeah. Derby? I feel like once we uh, continue doing these podcasts after the tournament, we've got to talk about the live action remakes. Okay. Like, yes. oh boy, uh, I can't wait. More than a couple words to say about this. them. Okay. Yeah, I really, I really want to see everyone's thoughts on Christopher Robin. Yeah. Although, one more thing like though. It. I don't like it, I'd like to be honest. 
as as much as I ragged on Christopher Robin and other films for not getting the original voice actors, I will say Brad Garrett does a fantastic Eeyore impression. Oh, he does. That, I, I will say Brad that. Garrett I love Brad Garrett. Eeyore in like the computer games or something. He did. Yes. Yeah. So uh, that I'll, I'll why get... he has a good voice then. Mm-hmm. Like okay, voice at one point. Who? Boober. I am very depressed. Yeah, it's so yeah. Optimus Prime voices Eeyore. <laughs> well, he used to. That's funny. Nah, that's Peter awesome. Cullen. Okay. So I'll give it. I'll give that one to you, Chris Robin. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So seems like you're voting Winnie the Pooh. Oh yes, Nos- nostalgia alert. I feel. Yeah, me too. Kind of give. I mean, that I mean, uh, while you were muted, I was talking about Fantasia 2000. Great movie. Right. Love the music. Winnie the Pooh gets my vote easily, almost entirely off of nostalgia, but also because of the other things you said and just its own merits, you know? Uh, it's very simple. It's very, very direct, and the characters are just so charming and likable. I fail to see how anyone could hate this movie. I could maybe understand being a little... Uh, I could understand maybe disinterest, but... Like, outright hatred for it, or even active dislike is something that I'd have to really wrap my head around, because these characters just have this universal appeal to them. And uh, that's the reason why it's so successful as a franchise. It's all about the characters, and just how simplistic and how, you know, nice they are, how pleasant they are. That's the best way to describe this movie. It's pleasant, it's charming, and... The fact that I do have such a nostalgic connection to it, that's really what got me absolutely bawling at the end of this movie. It's not meant to be this massive tearjerker, but my god, I think I cried harder at this than I did at any of the others. Why do you think the ending is so emotional? I don't know. I think it I think it's just the fact that you know, it's Christopher Robin accepting the fact that he's going to grow up at some point, and he's not always going to be able to have these adventures, but he's always going to have these memories and, you know, just hold on to what he's had. It's, I think it's just this feeling of comfort. And as someone who watched this recently at the age of 24, you know, early adulthood, I think it really does strike a chord. And I think has, just because has like of Toy Story, Toy Story Three vibes to it, right? Uh, honestly, I cried harder at this than I did and Toy Story Three. Robin went to the wall hard. Yeah. Okay. All right, man. We we really went off at length on this one. I see yeah. no. I see uh, no way that the next one will go on for a long time. So let's move on. Tangled versus yeah. Zootopia. Ah, crap. Oh. Okay, I'm going to start off with this one because uh, I have made it absolutely no secret. Zootopia is my favorite Disney movie, period. And uh, it's for for a lot of reasons. Uh, It's hilarious. Uh, The story moves at a very nice pace, very easy to follow, even though it seems like there's a lot going on. Uh, the dynamic between Judy and Nick is incredible. The fact that they don't get together as a couple at the end is fairly remarkable for a Disney movie. And I think just having that kind of camaraderie, non-romantic, but always having that kind of banter, they're, they're really what make the movie for me on a casual viewing. 
But of course, you can't really talk about this movie without connecting it to current events. And the fact that this movie is probably more relevant now than it did, than it was at the time, like it makes me appreciate it even more, but it also makes me kind of sad. I mean, this is a movie whose themes should not be this relevant. In a perfect world, a movie like this would be very good but it wouldn't be getting more relevant with time, if you know what I'm saying. Right. And just to to kind of go off on this for a bit, uh, I've seen a little bit of criticism, retrospective criticism, because it is a movie about a cop. And uh, my take on that is Judy Hopps is one of the few characters I can safely point to as a representation of what a good cop should be. They actually care about upholding the law, uh, being a public servant, and holding themselves accountable for the mistakes that they make. The only other character I can think of who fits that mold is uh, Carl Winslow from Family Matters. (laughs) Because there's an episode of Family Matters where uh, Carl's son gets uh, pulled over by two white cops and gets harassed by them. And Carl, being a cop, initially wants to defend them for just, you know, doing their job and, you know, kind of chastises his son for antagonizing them. But then later on, he confronts the cops themselves just to kind of get their side. And they make no secret that the way they treated Eddie was very much based on his race. You know, he was in the wrong part of town, wouldn't have been there if he was asking, wasn't looking for trouble, uh, giving the cop a lot of lip, and just the way that Carl goes off on those cops. As one of them is an older policeman who clearly had that bias and is completely unapologetic for it. But then there's another police officer there who's only been on the force for about a year. And he uses that opportunity to kind of impart some wisdom onto him that... You know, even though he's in a position where he's supposed to be the good guy, there are some bad guys in there. Hey guys, can you hear me? Yeah. Yes. Okay, like some some just happened. Okay. Yeah, I don't know what happened. Okay. And and that's what makes Carl so admirable, and it's a similar thing, you know, with Judy. The fact that she feels so guilty about what she did with her press conference that she ends up quitting. That's honestly one of the most heartbreaking scenes in the movie, beaten out only by Nick's flashback where he was, you know, harassed by the prey just for being a fox. And it really it really speaks to how strong these characters are that you know, both, you know, both of them have these much different experiences uh when it comes to you know, the prejudices they face and the prejudices they have. And so the scene after the press conference where Judy, you know, you know, constantly makes those mistakes in front of Nick and their friendship deteriorates, you really feel for them because you know that Judy didn't mean didn't mean any offense by it, but she's also she also knows that she's screwed up. So there's my soapboxing. Um DMV scene. Hilarious. Yeah. Love it. Funniest scene in any Disney movie I have ever seen. No contest. Yeah. Too bad the trailers killed it. I don't care that the trailers killed it because seeing it in full in the context of the movie, 
and seeing the resolution where it's just like we gotta get there oh, before yeah. rush hour. The punch it's night. That was pretty funny. That was. Yeah. It's night. Also, the Godfather reference just thrown right in there for oh, no, for oh, no with reason. With that, the, that's Mr. Big. Mr. Big. And when yes. You know, that, plus the final and joke I, of the movie. The final joke of the movie tied that whole DMV scene together oh, right. when we find out that Flash yeah. is actually a B racer. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I like when he's talking. I love the scene where he's talking to uh, Duke Weaselton, and he's just like, "There's nothing you can do to make me talk." Ice, ice, ice um. <laughs> hey guys, classic Gilligan's cut. <laughs> uh, hey guys, I love how Judy is now a cop who has uh, yeah. connections to crime bosses. <laughs> yeah, that that should yeah that probably works out pretty good for her when it comes to interrogation. Probably. Uh, Hopes that he, you that she saved his daughter. Hey guys, what's up? What? Um, uh, when when me and my mom saw Zootopia, I remember like even though I knew what was coming up, the reveal of Mister Ben had the entire audience and me and my mom <laughs> laughing hysterically. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. I uh, wish trailers didn't give it away. Yeah. Uh, last thing I want to say about the last thing I want to say about Zootopia is uh, at the beginning of this movie, it starts out with. Uh, like an elementary school play explaining how the predators were a thousand years ago and how over time they've evolved to, you know, overcome those differences and be more than what they were just born as. And one of them says that he can be an actuary. And that really speaks to me because I myself work in the actuarial field. Like that's my profession as that's my career choice. So that, <laughs> that right away immediately sold me on it. <laughs> Numbers, yay! And uh, and here's the thing: people may lie, but numbers never do. Exactly. Although any good statistician can make the numbers say whatever they want. Facts don't right. care about your feelings. <laughs> I, I guess I'll, I guess I'll talk a little bit about Tangled, even though I'm clearly voting for Zootopia. Tangled is a movie that I do feel bad for because I won't be able to vote for it, because as far as the Disney Princesses movies, this is as close to perfection as I can think of. I love all the characters. I love the story. Um, I, I really like the songs, too. The song in the in the tavern, where they're all singing about the, about the dreams that they have, and then they get to Flynn, who's like... Oh, sorry, boys. I don't sing. Think... What? I have dreams just like you. <laughs> One of the greatest Gilligan's cuts in cinema history. Exactly. Uh, there's very little, like there are very little problems I have with it, but I think what really makes me like Zootopia more is the fact that it does go like above and beyond, especially with its subject matter. So in this case, it, it's a case with again Rescuers Down Under versus Mulan. However good the one is, the fact that the other goes so far and does it well puts that one at an advantage. So yeah, love you, Tangled. You're a great movie, but I gotta give my vote to Zootopia. Favorite Disney movie, and uh, I don't see that being topped anytime soon. All right, we'll start. Yeah. Go with the uh, Raccoon Bro, and uh, I'm actually gonna step away for a few minutes. Okay. Okay. Bye. We can handle the fort while you're gone. I hope so. Oh, so um, too. I believe I've been put in a similar situation last time with Treasure Planet versus 101 Dalmatians, where I get two films that I really, really enjoy, and I have to pick my favorite child, essentially. Uh, Tangled 
uh, I would say it's one of those movies where I really do like it. It's, but it's. I would only say it's in my top twenty favorite films. It's not one of my you know absolute personal favorites. But at the same time, I acknowledge that it's a really, really great movie with uh, amazing comedy, really lush visuals. I love the the way her hair is animated and scene where they're on the boat and all the lanterns are going into the sky is breathtaking. But I think my personal favorite scene from the movie is one that has absolutely no dialogue in it, where the king and queen are getting ready to uh, start, you know, the light show. And you see a really tender, vulnerable moment between them where you just see they're acknowledging, ready to once again face this, remembering their daughter that was so cruelly taken away from them. And it's powerful how they're able to get the emotion across without saying a single word. I love it when movies do stuff like that. And it and- hurts even more when you realize that... She- that they realize that huh, that they haven't even gotten to see their child for their entire childhood and adolescent years. And that's what makes the reunion at the end really damn powerful To at the same time, uh, seeing them finally uh, get to see each other after all these years. Uh, I really... The, the animal characters are probably some of the best in Disney history. Pascal and uh, Maximus, that's the is that the horse's name? Yeah, that's yeah. Maximus. Yeah, Pascal and Maximus are uh, fantastically written and animated, and it's the my dream come true uh, dynamic duo of D-, D. Bradley Baker and Frank Welker finally being in a feature film with each other for the first time. Two of the most prolific like creature voice actors in animation. Wait, them? They voice Pascal and Maximus. Well, yeah, Frank Welker is Maximus and D. Bradley Baker is Pascal. I didn't and, know that until now, and that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, they're, there's pretty much a, a, a large majority of their roles in animation, especially Disney movies, are creature sounds. Like, name any animal sidekick from uh, a Disney film in the past. Uh, 40 years, odds are they were voiced by Frank Welker. Frank Welker does the animal sounds better than the real thing. Yeah, it's really wild. notable example is a boo from Aladdin. Yeah, and that's one of my favorite Frank Welker roles ever. Uh, But it's, so it's cool to see the two uh, the two guys typecast as creatures, like together at last, like and they make a pretty good pair uh, in the have you got you guys saw the one where Pascal and Mac it's the wedding, but they have to get the rings back. Yeah, I, I really like that. Yeah, but that's a really good showcase of uh, what I'm talking about. But then you got Zootopia. Oh man, it's it's hard. It's really hard, man. Don't make me choose. It's unfair. Tangled is tells a timeless story. But Zootopia is now. It is this time. This is Zootopia's time. And right now, Zootopia is something that everybody needs to see. We all need to be reminded about the stirring and um, powerful message that this film has. And it is unapologetic. Like, even though it's not explicitly, like, about, you know, humans and race, 
they get the point across anyway with the allegories of predators and prey and it's not even necessarily explicit what they're supposed to represent because even though predators are the minority you've still got characters like uh mayor lionheart who are in positions of power and you also you also see both sides being antagonistic towards Mm -hmm. each other because you got judy being bullied as a kid by uh gideon but then you also see uh nick's really emotional flashback too and that's i think a good way to describe this film is it's one of the most mature disney films that's been put out in recent memory a really good uh epitome of that is the scene where judy and gideon meet again after all these years and gideon apologizes and says things that a therapist would probably tell someone and it it's really interesting because the he's only there since her parents were inspired by judy's work to finally uh go into business with a predator that, that was, make amends. was even there in the exactly. first place oh by the way uh i just want to say jk simmons as uh mayor lionheart great casting <laughs> I was, ex- yeah, too I was bad. expecting him to go on a rant about lemons at any time. It's I, too bad he doesn't have more lines. Yeah. I mean, he, serves, he serves the role he was meant to. You know, this is around the time when J.K. Simmons was following me in terms of voice acting, because he was in Gravity Falls, he was in Kung Fu Panda 3, and now he's in Zootopia. I'm like, man, this guy's like everywhere in voice acting now. Like, it's insane. Yeah, back in 2016, yeah. J.K. Simmons... Uh, was essentially that one like celebrity voice actor who was in everything, and right now I Even would say that, that yeah, and right, but right now I'd say that that role probably goes to Tiffany Haddish, who has been in almost every animated thing I've seen, like Lego Movie Two, Tuca and Birdie, and the Angry Birds Movie Two. Before like, that, I the the Groupon Girl. Yeah, the the what Groupon Girl? Yeah, she did. It was commercial. She was the spokesperson for Groupon. Groupon. Okay. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, so, and, and Zootopia has fantastic voice acting performances by everyone across the board. Maurice LaMarche as Mr. Big is uh, one of the most hysterical things I've seen. And I saw this movie in theaters with my grandfather, and he went into this movie completely blind. And when we got to that part, he was on the floor <laughs> like but not literally obviously because movie theater floors are disgusting and they're probably going to be a lot more clean now but it, my my point still stands like he thought that it was hilarious because they were setting up that he was going to be this really big intimidating guy but then he's, he's just like a little mole rat <laughs> and with the that sounds like marlon brando and uh, have you guys seen the deleted scenes of this movie like uh some of them. No. Oh, you mean like with the original plot of the movie with the predators wearing like collars or something? Well, there's that, but there's also another deleted scene I saw where it's um it's the ice cream shop scene and Judy it's where and Judy meets Nick for the first time. And I find it interesting. It, it's because in the deleted scene version, it's not the elephant uh refusing the right ha- having the right to refuse service. Instead, the elephant is basically saying, he can't have that popsicle. It's going to drip all over the floor and melt. And uh, Nick 
gets uh, Judy onto his side by basically making up a ridiculously transparent sob story. Like, oh, I'm sorry. It's just he's terminally ill and an orphan. <laughs> and and Judy like falls for it. And I'm thinking, wow, I'm really glad that this deleted scene was not in the original version because it kind of misses the entire point of the movie's plot. Yeah. <laughs> but, like it's nothing to do with uh, standing up for against adversity, but instead it's just like you can't have it. It'll make a mess. Get drip everywhere on the floor, and I'll have to clean it up later. It's like that's like a legitimate thing to. That's actually a legitimate reason to refuse to give somebody something. <laughs> but uh, anyway, I think I go. I've said what I need to. The only other. Th- the only real complaint I have with this movie is that Bellwether is uh, yet another uh, weak twist villain. Yeah. But I get the idea that uh, anybody can be racist. And they do have, or I guess in this case, speechist. But in this film, I will give them credit. At least they do have really subtle hints. Like, she's constantly being looked down on by her superior. And they do, when they're in her office, you see a little notebook that has... Um, the uh the ram's uh number the guy who's uh shooting everybody with the uh deal that makes the night nightshade what's it called uh night howlers yeah the night howlers uh so like that was a very subtle hint i I at least appreciate that so it's not like frozen where it feels like he was rewritten in a second draft and it's just two scripts tacked on together yeah, I feel like with so, Frozen, they were just, like, really proud of that twist, and they really hammered it in. It, But even so, they this film only has a villain for its, like, final ten minutes, and I don't like it when movies do that. Yeah. It, like, even Zelda is uh, guilty of that trope. Like, Ganondorf only appears as the final boss, and we don't see him for, like, the whole game, and I hate it when they do that. <laughs> right. But anyway, yeah, my vote goes to Zootopia. Yay! I actually have Tangled winning this in my prediction. I really hope I don't come to regret that. <laughs> All right, uh, Ouija? Hmm. I like both of these movies, but my personal preference would have to go towards Tangled. Oh. Like, I, I like the story of Zootopia and how, and like, with the whole specious type thing and how to get everyone to accept and like each other for who they are. But with Tangled, I just love the whole story with like trying with like we made USA a kidnapped a princess teaming up with a thief to try to let her just go out and explore the world. Mm-hmm. Which she's been denied for the last like whole her whole life. I'm really terrible at wording things. Take your time, don't worry. Mm-hmm. You have a week. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, week-long podcast. Yeah, very avant-garde. <laughs> Anyways, just long story short, I just... I actually prefer Tangled more than Zootopia. I'm, okay. I'm a sucker for princess movies. That's fair. Hey, did you guys know that the Black Panther limo driver in this movie is voiced by Jesse Cordy, same guy who did LeFou? Oh, really? Wow. Ooh, snap. Yeah, I did know that. Yeah. 
Oh Mary. yeah, cool. one more, one more fact about Frank Welker. He's actually the voice of Oswald the Lucky Rabbit. Yes, that's right. Oh, Current, yeah. didn't they replace him with Jess Harnell? Did they? I don't Wait, think I heard so. They were planning to. Re- there was a song they did at Euro Disney show, and Oswald was performed in that song by Jess Harnell. Wait, seriously? Some okay. Uh, what's it called? Because I want to look that up. Um. I'll, I'll write in the chat. Okay. Thank you. You're doing a good deed today. He was voiced by Mickey Rooney for a time. Wow. Uh, hmm. Oh, the irony. And, and yeah, Brett. but I would I would take either Welker or Harnell. They're both good. And like um, also Lucky Rabbit. Like um, June Foray when she voiced him, it was actually her very first voiceover role. Really? Yeah, and it was, but it was also the end of. Uh, Oswald's run. Oh man, what a kick so in the pants! So is it my turn now? So is it my turn now? Go ahead. I believe yeah. the floor is yours. I'm just gonna say, like Ouija, I am an unapologetic amphop adult male fan of princesses. Simpsons. Joke. I never said I was an adult. <laughs> but um, but so yeah, Tangled is funny. I like the twists it gives for the story. It's got some action. It's got some fun, fun ideas, and the horse is awesome. And also, it's got a surprisingly good spinoff. So I'm thinking, once this Moss Madness is over, we could try a spinoff where we discuss the Tangled show, oh, but, or Pixar, but all the, or Ducktales, yeah. or just all or Disney animated shows. Yeah. I'm thinking. Of yeah, but all that said, all that said. I'm back in Zootopia with this one because it's just something else. Its world is incredible. Its characters are incredible. The way it spins tired stories that would have been a little bit dragged or boring in other hands, it does well. Like, the third act misunderstanding isn't as forced and it doesn't drag, so so it feels more natural. The characters, the voice acting... It all just clicks with me nicely. It's my favorite Disney film of the modern era. I'm glad it won Best Animated Feature for its year, and I feel like, and I feel like it does actually manage to hold up. Many people again kind of criticize it because of the criticism of the police force, but I feel like Zootopia's message endures in spite of all that. I'm not trying to get too political, but Zootopia is a film that shows what should be like in the, these times now. So right. I'm giving it to Zootopia as my vote of confidence. Cool. We're here to talk about Disney movies. Yeah, not uh, not get too uh, into uh, <laughs> like for, like uh, like let, let's not like let's keep things away from politics. But that said, let's talk about Zootopia. <laughs> oh no! All right, uh, okay. Yoda. Basically, if you're a policeman, uh, Judy Hopps should be your moral guide. Or Joe Swanson. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, speaking of moral guide, uh, back when we were talking about Pinocchio, I uh, wanted to see... I wanted to talk about that one family guy joke. Like, hey, Peter, I'm your conscience. Ah, bug! Splat. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Uh, Yoda, you're up. Oh, boy. This choice is... Not going to be very popular. Uh, sorry to disappoint a lot of you guys, but I was never that big a fan of Tangled. <gasps> oh. Yeah. 
let me let yeah, me just yeah. point out i i don't think tangled is bad i just don't think it's as strong as like a lot of other disney films like if someone were to ask me what i thought of tangled i would just go it's fine like i just think it's fine like here's the thing I love the animation. The animation is gorgeous. I love the I really like the animal sidekicks. I love Pascal. I like really like Maximus. Aside from that, it's a fine movie. Like like Rapunzel, like Rapunzel, Rapunzel. And, man, I can never decide between what I want to call him, Flynn or Eugene. Like none of that. The villain, I'm kind of missed. The villain, I don't really remember that much. Even the songs, I'm just like the songs are fine. Like I love Alamakin. I don't think this is one of his strongest movies in terms of his music compared to his other ones. But uh other than that, it's a it's fine. Like I think the big problem is that I don't really know if it wants to be more traditional, like Beauty and the Beast, or if it wants to be more satirical like DreamWorks Shrek. Mm-hmm. Seeing the kind of forest together is just didn't really sit right with me. But other than that, I don't think it was like a bad movie. I just think it's fine. But the sequel, the the, the se- series tangled the tangled of the series there's some parts of it I actually think did better than the first one. I feel like, while I love the CGI in the original movie, I felt like the animation style of the TV show fit better there. I actually felt Rapunzel and Flynn were, like, they were more likable. Like, they were more memorable, I should say. They were more memorable and fun in the TV series. Mm-hmm. However, I can't say I enjoy the TV series that much either because I do not like Cassandra. I'm just saying right now. I won't go into too much detail about her, but not a fan. Now, what's her name? Topia, her name? Cassandra. Okay. Not a okay. fan. Of, not a fan of her. I'm sorry. Now, Zootopia, on the other hand, yeah, I'm with everyone else. This movie's awesome. <laughs> like, um, like, um, I think it's, I think it's super funny. I love the characters. They're all absolutely memorable and fun. Nick and Nick and Judy have a great amount of chemistry with each other. I love the fact that they don't become a couple. They just they're just really good, believable friends. Much like Marlon and Dory from Finding Nemo. I like the fact that like um two people like a man and woman, they don't have to be a couple. I like that. I really respect films that do that. And the message, the message of the film still holds true to this day, especially today, with all the stuff that's going on with right now. It's a film that like I was, you know, I'm like Man, they really nailed this. Like, they really know what they're talking about. And especially today, I look back on just like, wow. Well, like, yeah. this one was like really ahead of its time. It's like, it only came out like four years ago and it still hits home. Okay. So, uh, and the, and the animation, oh my goodness, the animation of the film is just huge. This is a huge place. Like, all the different places they go to, all the different locations. Like, and it's, it's, it's like an Iceland in one place and it's a rainforest in another. It's, it's a feast for the eyes. A feast for, like, feast for any predators, I should say. <laughs> but, uh, predators and prey, if you want to. And, like, the twist film, I will say, I am kind of like, yeah, it's a twist film, but it's kind of like a mystery, like a whodunit kind of story, so it doesn't really bother me that much. So, um, uh, with this one, I have to say, Tangled is, eh, in my eyes, like, not a bad movie, but Zootopia, I love all the way, so Zootopia gets my vote. I will say, as much as I miss Andron stuff, stuff. Oh, am I echoing? Am I echoing? No. Uh, uh, yeah, Yeah, it's not going through. I think you, I think that's. Oh, sorry. Yeah, that, that's weird. He wasn't echoing earlier. Oh, well. Oh, well. Nope. Nope. Yep. Yep. There we go. There we go. 
All right, Yoda, you, okay, you, you can mute now. Okay, sorry. Um, as much as I miss hand-drawn stuff, uh, when you have CGI, you re you're able to really sell home like the scope and size of something, like with Zootopia itself, city. True. Is that all you wanted to say? Uh, yes? I, yeah, I guess. I think so. Okay. Okay. Oh no. Oh, no. <laughs> Pigs in space. <laughs> space, wow. space, space. Just missed the wombat space. Okay. I think we actually talked about Winnie the Pooh more than we talked about these movies, which is kind of a kind of amazing. Which says a lot about us as people. <laughs> exactly. All Ladies right. and gentlemen, we hope you enjoyed the Pooh the cast. <laughs> Poo. Yeah. Poo. Ah. Ah. All right. Yeah, then. yeah. Uh, right, yeah. Uh, we're gonna, we're gonna need you to mute again, please. Please. Sorry. All right. Let's move on to the final matchup: Great Mouse Detective versus Aladdin. Uh, I. Yoda, why don't you start? Okay. Let me just. Talk about Great Mouse Detective first before I gush about Aladdin. Okay. So, the Great Mouse Detective, I really love. I think it's, like, a great little, like, homage to, like, the Sherlock Holmes story. I find Basil and Dawson to be really fun characters. Like, especially, like, other characters like Flavisham, Olivia, and Bidget, I also find it to be really fun. The animation is great, especially for the 80s, especially with its ideas of storytelling. Radigan, voiced by Vincent Price, perfect casting. You can tell Vincent Price... Wanted to be in a Disney film all his life, and he's really owning it in this. So, um, I love the Great Mouse Detective. Okay, time to gush about Aladdin now. Oh my goodness, I love Aladdin. Aladdin is my second favorite Disney movie. I did, it's one of those films I did do a commentary on. I love it that much. The colors are absolutely fantastic. Like, the storytelling, like, is perfect. Like, um, I don't know I was talking about Tangled when I wasn't a fan of, like, how it did its modern storytelling. This is the film that I think did a modern storytelling, but it was still timeless. It felt like, it really felt like a more different Disney film than others like Beauty and the Beast. So, um, it really did that well. The characters, I absolutely love. This is what John Muster and Clemens do great with their films. They give us an unforgettable amount of characters from the lights of Aladdin, Jasmine, other characters like Jafar. Jafar is my absolute favorite Disney villain, like, along with Yago. The way they work off each other is great. Like, with some Disney villains, well, like, while some Disney side kids like minions often are often used as the main punchy pad for the villains, like LeFou, Jafar and Yako, I think, are like legit buddies. Like, um, they're always on the same page with each other. And up until the return of Jafar, you always wondered who was actually the more evil out of both of them. So I really thought that was great. And the songs, oh my goodness, the songs, you all know these songs Arabian Nights, A Whole New World, Friend Like Me, oh my goodness. They're all in my head. Yep, that's one. And, of course, Robin Williams as the genie. You could not pick a more perfect choice to play the genie than Robin Williams. He owns every single scene in this movie. He's funny, and he also gets the perfect amount of heart in, like, his longing to be free. The scene where Aladdin frees genie at the end, always, it really gets me. It always gets me emotional. And we still miss Robin Williams. When I heard about his death, all I could think about was his role as a Latin, how much it really changed me. 
And the whole film of Aladdin really changed me. Like, when I would... I remember when I first saw... Well, not when I first saw whoever again. Like, when I got older as a teenager, when I saw the documentary on how they made Aladdin, just the film, like, how they made it. Like, it really astounded me. At the same level, like, Ren and Stimpy. Without Aladdin or Ren and Stimpy, I probably wouldn't be even be here today because it really, like, blew my mind on how they made animation. Just, like, just a history that went beyond making these films. It just really astounded me. So, beyond being one of my favorite films, Aladdin changed my life and how I view animation and made me respect it even more than I already did before. So, as much as I love the great Master Tentative, Aladdin gets my vote all the way. You ain't never seen a film like this. I'm back, baby! What did I miss? Uh, Yoda was just gushing about Aladdin. Aladdin. With no shame. And unfortunately, his echo problem is back for some reason. Uh, plug, just plug in some earbuds in, you'll be fine. Yeah, but anyway, I think I just made it back in time. I said I'd be back in 10, and boom. All right. This really was yeah. perfect timing. Uh, before we cut to you, Wes, I just want to say, uh, if this is how you were, Yoda, if this is how you were reacting to Aladdin, uh, can't wait till next week when we talk about Lion King. Lion King. Well, I guess you can say... Be prepared! And the jokes just write themselves, don't they? Yep. All right, uh, um, Wesley, take it, take it away. Well, I love Great Mouse Detective. I think it's fun. I think it's a good change of pace and genre, and it's pretty experimental by Disney standards by having this whole world developed underneath. But... I'm taking it with Aladdin because Aladdin's probably my favorite Renaissance film. It bends the Disney formula without breaking it. It has two very relatable leads in Aladdin and Jasmine and how they build off each other. Like Zootopia, it doesn't go for the third act misunderstanding in a forced way. They just, they just play it off kind of as a laugh. They're like, oh, I like you anyway, and it's fine. And... And Jafar and Iago are hilarious. It's so expressive, so visually striking. It's just a beautiful film all around. It's funny, it's dramatic, it's got everything, and it's probably Disney's first Prince movie. And the focus on Aladdin as the character really changes the dynamic for their fairy tale formula. So I'm really glad to represent this film, and I am honored to vote for it here. All right, cool stuff. Uh, Ouija? Sorry, zoned out for a second. Yeah. Yes, sorry, sorry, just a little... I... Grey Mouse Detective versus Aladdin. I like... Both. I like the animation of both, and along with the storytelling and the character development. But my, I really like with like the villains as well, with like Radigan and Jafar. But personally, my pick would have to go towards Aladdin. I just love the wackiness of the genie and along with the character development of Aladdin and Jasmine. 
and token sidekick a boo. And the music, oh man, the music is just so good. I also like the occasional pop cultural cultural reference that gets thrown in through the genie. Oh yeah. Especially one standout moment I think from the movie would just be the whole tell her the truth. <laughs> that's probably one of my most favorite parts about the movie. Sorry, that's just not disconnected anyway. again. I'm back. It's fine. Welcome back. Anyways, my vote goes towards Aladdin. Yeah, it seems to be a trend here. And it's not like I can, not like I can't see why. Yeah, I wish I wish I could be that odd one out, but uh, we don't have time for me to go through another character arc again. <laughs> so I'm just gonna. And I don't be... think we have enough people to do a character arc for you. So I'm just gonna be blunt. Aladdin is the superior film. The Great Mouse Detective. It, it's a really fun story, and they do a great job of making Basil feel like uh, a brilliant mind and seeing how he comes to all these conclusions and the way that his mind works. It's really fascinating. I love character stuff like that. And it's why Sherlock Holmes has a lot of potential as a character. So seeing that that's why there are so many different variations on him, whether they're good or bad. And uh, of course, Radigan is probably the highlight of the film as most people can agree it it's just that there's not a whole lot a lot else to go over that hasn't been said already about gray mouse detective aladdin on the other hand oh my god it's this if earlier we th we said that earlier chicken little was was a massacre um putting aladdin against great mouse detective it's kind of like putting uh, an older brother against a younger brother, but the older brother has like tons of medals and awards and experience, but like the younger brother is also talented, but they haven't really gotten much of a chance to prove themselves. I, I feel that's sort of the case with Aladdin and Great Mouse Detective because everybody knows Aladdin and how fantastic it is because. Well, the animation is some of the best that in Disney history. Uh, I really something that bothers me about some Disney films is that their animation feels a bit too low for my taste. But Aladdin has that really good balance of wackiness and also uh, emotional moments to get, keep me invested in the art style. Aladdin has a fantastic character arc and learning. It, well, yes, being yourself is a bit of a, a tired uh, message. It works really well here because you understand why he wants to change who he is. It's because you gotta be with, you gotta be a prince in order to get with the princess. And for most of his life, he's been looked down upon by everybody and seen as just a street rat. But at the end of the day, it, he's a diamond in the rough and he just needs to be given a chance to prove himself and it, so that's what I find the dynamic between Aladdin and Jasmine very interesting because they both have very similar problems but 
they're all they also come from two different worlds they feel trapped but for completely different reasons and that's why it makes sense that they relate to each other so quickly a whole new world is the one of the most fantastic romance songs ever made because it is anti-romance it is about it's not about loving each other it's about being with someone and having someone to go on a journey with like aladdin finally understood when he was on that balcony that do, trying to, pretending to be a prince was and acting all high and mighty was not what jasmine wanted she wanted adventure she wanted freedom and when he finally realized that that's when he was able to win her over and just being himself like doing the funnel apple trick or having that great callback where he's do you trust me and yeah i would say you know like i'm um, a little fun thing like you said about Atlanta just being trapped you say jafar is also trapped too but he went for like went for what to, to break loose to be free yeah uh -huh. and he gets and then he gets trapped at the very end too but we'll get yeah. to that <laughs> i agree oh good your echo was fixed uh i yeah. agree that jafar and iago have an absolutely fantastic chemistry like you said yoda uh they feel like equals and whenever iago has an idea uh jafar doesn't like look down on it he like sees it as a important contribution yeah. such as uh, that great scene where he comes up with the plan to uh have jafar marry jasmine and then he like reenacts them dropping them over a cliff and jafar's like i love how your foul little mind works yeah <laughs> Like you can see why these two work together because they're perfect complements. And uh -huh. uh, the, I, I'm not going to talk about the songs because we already know how great they are. Basically, they're they're great showcases of why animation is so important as a medium because you can't do numbers like Friend Like Me or uh, Whole New World. Yeah. Sorry, Prince Ali. I don't know why I blanked on that. You can't do those kinds of numbers in live action and have, still be, and have it still be just as memorable. If you're doing a whole new world and you don't have a fantastic crescendo as when they first go into the sky, then you've completely missed the entire point of it all. Yep. Which is why uh, so many other versions are pale in comparison because they focus more on it being like low and romantic and oh, they're falling in love. Like, that's not the point of a whole new world. He's, it's supposed to be whimsical. It's and supposed to be fantastic. being together, enjoying the journey. Yeah, simply seeing these two, like, enjoying each other's company is why their romance is one of the best in Disney history. Because, uh, like you guys said, this film has a different dynamic because it focuses more on the prince. That being said, it doesn't mean that the other characters get uh, shafted as a result. Like you have films such as Cinderella or Snow White where the prince only has like one or two lines, but the, this film understood that problem and was able to fix it. And, oh my gosh, Jeannie, Jeannie, he's such a, a, a warm and a caring person. And he has so many wonderful lines. And because Robin Williams had hours upon hours of dialogue that was improvised and didn't even make it into the final cut but and the one part that really gets me is when he saves aladdin and he's like oh kid 
starting to become kind of fond of you too, but not in a manner like I want to pick out uh, curtains with you or anything. Hey, do you ever see the deleted version of that scene where Robin Williams said something different? Yeah, I forgot what it was, though. <laughs> like, this is how it went. He said, oh, wow, you're getting kind of fond of you, kid. I would have done mouth-to-mouth, but I don't find you that attractive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. He did. He did a Richard Nixon impression. He did a uh, the fairy from Wizard of Oz. Only one like twenty five hours. Isn't there like twenty hours of unused dialogue or something? Yeah, there oh is. God, those like, poor animators must have had cramps trying to yeah. keep up with them. I mean, it's Robin Williams. How can you? <laughs> uh, uh, I guess unless you're Homer Simpson, uh, you can come pretty close. Speaking of, that's he's. Genie's was also voiced by Dan Castellaneta, who is right. Homer yeah. Simpson. I think that's why but, I brought him up. Well, right, that was uh, my point. Uh, and I really, the climax is really cool. Uh, I love how Jafar basically uh, embraces uh, his evil villain side. Like, up to this point, he's been very calm and calculating, which was really great because. He's not supposed to be like that yet. He's trying to ingratiate himself with uh, the emperor, but then, or no, the sultan. The sultan. But but then once his true but then once his true colors are finally revealed, he becomes like this absolutely hammy, wonderful villain who's got like the craziest laugh, and he's speaking totally in puns during the final climax. And I love like, that. He, Maybe you could see how snake-like I can be. Well, that's because he, in response to Aladdin calling him a snake. Yeah, and then... And now but, he's associated with snakes all the time. Like, you're running out of time! And, like, he puts Jasmine in a giant hourglass. Oh my uh, god. That, uh, when he turns a boo into, like, a, a toy monkey, he says, Don't toy with me! And then when he throws a bunch of swords on the ground, he's like, Get the point! Oh my god, the puns are everywhere. Like, like Jafar has been waiting this entire time to embrace like his Saturday kind of movie. He's been waiting to embrace his Saturday morning cartoon personality, and it's absolutely glorious. But I love how the climax isn't solved with brute force. Aladdin has to outsmart him <laughs> by tricking him into becoming a genie and having... Uh, a lamp of his own. I really like it whenever climaxes are done like that, and they, the, you have to uh, outthink the villain. And it's a using lot more points yeah. already made like in the, the movie the, beforehand, and they use them like, in the situation at like, hand. Yeah, the way he's yeah. the way that he's defeated in a nutshell is basically congratulations, you've played yourself. Yeah. Yep. Like Jafar as a whole has probably the greatest evil laugh I've ever heard. Like Joker has nothing on Jafar's laugh. I'm just saying that out there. I wish the Prince Ali reprise wasn't so short. Uh, yeah, John Freeman too. is a Broadway singer, and yeah, doesn't... he he actually still plays Jafar on Broadway. That's yeah, right. I love that. That's awesome. I actually saw him. I actually saw him on Aladdin on Broadway once. And man, he still got it. Oh, cool. Yeah. I find it interesting, though, that like everybody talks about Robin Williams, but hardly anybody ever talks about how funny Gilbert Gottfried is in this Yago movie. Yago is so funny. Like, he's a, like, sure, Robin Williams started the whole trend of cele- having celebrities in your movie, but Gilbert Gottfried is a fantastic comedian in his own right as well. And he, his he voice is iconic. This, this way of speaking 
that makes literally any line of dialogue hilarious, no matter how mundane it is. I'm like when they're, I'm remembering uh, someone once showed me uh, like a video of Gilbert Gottfried reading uh, Fifty Shades. Oh my god! <laughs> and it's the greatest thing ever. Like you- even like really simple stuff where he's like, "Okay, we gotta get out of here." Uh, we're only gonna bring the essentials weapons poison and uh i don't know how about this picture i think i look kind of funny in it like wait didn't he say guns though which, did he? yeah which essentially yeah. caused an anachronism because like aladdin's supposed to technically be in the past well the genie himself is an anachronism yeah <laughs> but there's also the theories of aladdin being in like the distant future and magic being like a kind of technology hmm. nah Mm. I don't like. I always just imagine it as genie is removed from time in the lamp. I mean, yeah. it could also make sense since Merlin has been shown to be a time traveler as well. I, I mean, the, they live in a place that's essentially Las Vegas. Yeah. But uh, you know, not- you know, you know, Carrick. It's funny how you brought up that scene with like um Yago getting all of his supplies, like he's ready to leave because. When he brought the and uh, how about this picture? I don't know. I think it made the weird face in it. That actually made Robin Williams laugh. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, if, no, that's if, an honor. If if he did yeah. make Robin Williams laugh, that really says something about Gilbert Gottfried as Yago. Mm-hmm. Uh, just yeah, everything about that guy is uh, amazing. Like, and his version of the aristocrats joke. Oh my gosh, I I I could not I could not believe my ears when I was hear, heard him saying it. Like it is. I can't even I can't even replicate it on this podcast because it's far too foul. <laughs> oh wow, my God! Wow. Now I'm curious just, on just what it is. Look up Gilbert Gottfried, The Aristocrats, and you'll know what I mean. Okay, <laughs> oh my God! My God, how long are we how long are we gonna keep talking about this? I think. But this anyway, might be uh, I believe Nick, it's your turn. Okay. Okay. All right. I'm actually kind of gonna be the odd one out here because honestly, I like both of these movies about the same. And I think part of that is with Aladdin, especially with the stuff concerning the genie, I'm not entirely on board with it. I'm not, I feel bad for saying this, I really do, but Robin Williams' style of humor, it doesn't connect with me, at least not totally. I, and that's just, that's just my own hang-ups, you know, maybe it's a little, a little too fast-paced, maybe a little too off the wall for me, I don't know. I think in comparing villains, I do like Jafar, like Jafar's arc, how he starts as this kind of like calculating villain, and then once he gets the power, he just goes all ham with it. And then with Radigan, he's all ham all the way through. Just yes. the way, like when that one, when that There's one no mouse was calling him a, was calling him a rat, and just the way that he completely loses it and. Just what was that? Exactly. What did you call me? Uh, honestly, that's, that's also brilliant about Vincent Price's performance. It always feels like he's trying to hold back until he doesn't. Exactly. Yeah. And I honestly, uh, I think uh, one of my favorite parts of that movie concerning uh, Radigan is it's when uh, Basil finally meets him. He's like, and Basil's like, no one thinks more highly of you than I do. And I think that you are a contemptible sewer rat. Beautiful. 
And Wait, then, right. then he just closes the pocket watch after the pause. Just that one moment had me laughing like crazy. I don't know why. It because on its own it shouldn't be that funny, but I think it's I think it's that one second pause before he just closes it that really cinches yeah. it for me. I think because and, you know that Radigan is trying his absolute damn and just not to lose it in front of his men exactly. and just like keep his composure because uh, you know it got to yeah so i think ev- what... everything that can be said about aladdin has already been said by you guys uh but with great mouse detective uh i do lo- i do love radigan i like basil um i like how he's kind of this like like aloof arrogant dick at the beginning but he you know he does come around with the people that he's trying to help and i think that's a nice arc i like the fact that uh his mouse hole is in the same building as the actual Sherlock Holmes. And uh, yes. by the way, this is more of a note for myself, but uh, when it gets to this part, I want to have uh, Gary Rafferty's Baker Street playing because he lives on Baker Street and uh, Baker Street, the song, kicks ass. Is that song copyright at all? Probably. Yeah, it is. I don't monetize this Hell anyway, yeah. so... Uh, as long as you can watch, still watch the video. Right. I mean, I got a copyright claim on the last podcast, and that's still available for viewing. So, Wait, I how? say just have two copies, one yeah. with it, one it's, without it. Like, uh, just it's because uh, for the winners of these, I'm using uh, I'm using uh, songs from the movies that won as like like kind of like uh, the but uh, uh, yeah, I'm actually uh, running out of time soon because I have to meet with my family. So I'll just say this. I like both of these movies about the same. And when it comes to a tiebreaker, I tend to favor the underdog. So I might actually give my vote to Great Mouse Detective, but uh, nothing oh, yeah. bad about Aladdin. It's a good movie. Okay. Just, uh, I can understand. I bet uh, whenever Family Guy makes fun of Robin Williams, you're totally on board with it because it's like, especially that one where he's being Patch Adams and he's just like going off and the kids are like, sir, I'm dying. He's like, shut up and listen to my material. <laughs> oh, God. Well, what, what about the part where he goes like, um, he mentions the goodwill hunting and oh, Robin Williams starts saying, it's not your fault, it's not your fault, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, are you there? It's mom and dad. We thought we awakenings. <laughs> I love that so much. Wait, oh, oh, yeah. What if I try it with a basketball? <gasps> awakenings. Oh god, that book. Is... <laughs> All, right. All right, and uh, with that, I think that's a good place to close this out. Yeah, because, uh, yeah I have to talk to my family. Story. This was fun. Two and a half. I that breaks our record from last week. But, wow. uh, yeah, I don't don't want to keep my... A new record. A new record. All right, so I don't want to keep my family waiting, so uh, this is a good place to end it, I think. Uh, thank you guys for coming, and uh, I'll, post the, uh, I'll post the links to the straw polls soon, and uh, hope to see you guys next week. When, when should the video be up? Um, not oh, sure. Thank you. Either tomorrow night, night or uh, Tuesday night. Okay. See you real soon. Uh, goodbye, all you people. I love you all. And another thing great about Zootopia, it helps encourage platonic relationships where you say I love you. So tell your friends you love them. Hooray! And I, I love will. you, random citizens. Yeah. <laughs>